0: This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show, sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego. Providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Good
1: morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wolsey, just about 8.02 on Saturday morning. Pretty happy here this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning. Talking about uh, money, investing, the economy, finance, all these important things to help you grow your net worth. And with me is Chase Wilson. Good morning, Chase. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Doing well. Yeah, we got a full two hours here to uh, help people improve their financial situation, talk about uh, different companies, stocks, equities, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we do have a lot of different things to go over. Uh, you want to call into the show, phone number's here, 866 577 two four seven three that's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three and as always get you through for that unbiased no strings attached fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about and that squeaky noise is the microphone we, we, we <laughs> got to get oil on these microphones because you move like <laughs> you know so um but uh chase uh, a lot happened this uh a uh, past week here and and uh things we want to talk about is uh Obviously, the, the the jobs report. I mean, the only bright spot I saw in the jobs report uh, this morning, actually yesterday morning, is that we did see an increase in the payrolls. Uh, for August, the payrolls did increase by two hundred thirty-five thousand, which was a major miss compared to the estimate of seven hundred twenty-eight thousand. I, I don't know how they got that wrong. And I was thinking about two of the delta variants and how that's kind of increasing. Well, of course, that's going to not be quite as well. But since April twenty twenty, we now have seen the job gains total. 17 million i i I hate using that word gains i like to say replacement because these are jobs are just being replaced before but we are still off the epidemic levels by
2: 5.3 million (laughs) yeah so as you said it's not really a gain because we're we're still (laughs) 5.3 million behind the eight ball so replacements it's definitely a, a better term there uh notable areas of growth though in this last uh Payroll report showed uh, professional and business services gained 74,000 jobs, transportation, warehousing. And I think this is such an important area for the economy. They gained 53,000. I say it's such an important part because transportation right now, I mean, we have all these supply chain bottlenecks. We need to make sure goods can at least move from place to place. (laughs) Now we just got to make sure we can get those goods manufactured and manufacturing did see an increase of thirty-seven thousand, so big benefits there and i think in those two job gains because that should help with supply constraint which which i think could be a big problem for inflation so i, I liked those two areas however that this was i was Somewhat shocked by this. Big disappointment in the report was the fact that the hard-hit leisure and hospitality sector was unchanged compared to the previous month. I, I want to say they still are more than a million jobs below where they were in February 2020. So that that area I thought was going to continue to lead the, the recovery. And gosh, you look at a lot of small business owners that own bars and restaurants that they've had such a hard time. And I know that they're looking for help, and uh, they. Couldn't find any last month. Well, I, I'm hoping, uh, what, it's at, um,
1: I guess, what, 11 days away when they're going to drop? Uh, seven, oh, no. No, what? It's uh, three days away. September 15th, I thought it was. No, September 6th. Oh. It's Labor Day. Uh, and what we're talking about is that uh, the elimination of that extra $300 a week, mm-hmm. um, that, that should bring a lot more people in. Like, okay, I need to work now because I'm not getting that extra $300 a week. I have heard it does not look like it's going to be... Uh, redone again, which is uh, going to make it ludicrous to to, to redo that again. I mean, there's so many jobs out there, 10 million jobs plus more than the people that are looking. Uh, It could be a big turnaround there. I know that the concern with the cases, which again, we talked about this last week, I'm not hearing the increase in cases again, because I don't think it's the big news. It's just like, yeah, they are increasing. And I just, you just have to realize that this is going to be part of life. It's going to be like yep. the flu. It's going to be like other things. You're going to have the COVID. You can't stop everything and go back to wear a mask and everything else. Like, oh, okay. Because it's going to be part of life. It's another virus that is here to stay. Uh, get your vaccine. You know, Don't shake hands. Do whatever it does to take. But, gosh, we got we got to learn to live with this because uh, I think it did cause some problems in this job market. But I, I, I think next one that we report a month from now or so – I think it's going to be a huge gain.
2: Well, as you said, I mean, the, the current administration did point to the Delta variant for the, the major miss there, and, um, you know, I I I think that the media does a great job scaring people, and <laughs> I think that could be kind of pulling back, and it's weighing on consumer confidence, we know. I mean, there's a lot of things that um, the, the media, I think, has done to, to frighten people yet again, um, so I I, I don't know. I'm not super worried about it. I think the Delta variant will dissipate uh, over the coming months, as you said. The other thing, too, that, that I think is interesting, and I, I was watching the current, um, gosh, I think he's a labor secretary or the, the one of the chief economists for the, the Biden team there. And he actually did point out uh, back to school should be a big benefit as well. And I, I think next month and the following month, I think the next two, three months, we, we could see some positive signs, again, in the job market. Because as we said, we're still missing 5.3 million jobs. So yeah, it's it's exactly. not like the jobs are out there. 10.1 million job openings. We have plenty of openings there. But the thing is the unemployment benefits are ending and kids going back to school should give parents opportunity that had to be the, the caretaker there. Well, now maybe you can filter your way back into the workforce because your kids are back at school. So I think those should yeah. be two benefits uh, over the coming months.
1: And, and the the back to school is actually happening. I I, I believe most schools, yes, they're going back uh, to school, so that, that that will help. You know, the mom and dads that uh, had to stay home take care of the kids, uh, go back to, to work, so that that should help. So there are some good things going forward. I and I people say, oh, is the last quarter gonna be terrible? I I think the last quarter is gonna be pretty good. Uh, and again, I'm saying by December 31st, I don't think on Monday, oh, everything's great. But by December 31st, I am believing in our portfolio. I'm not going to talk about the market, but our portfolio, uh, that we will be higher is what I'm looking for.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I was going to say, too, on the unemployment benefits, <laughs> I, I did a, a spot on Fox 5 this Past uh, Thursday it was Thursday evening. Oh yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, I talked about it's it's such a hard thing because there are people that are going to lose their income. I you know, <clears throat> and and there's people out there that deserve. I'm going to say the unemployment. I don't want to say deserve that that kind of need the unemployment benefits. That that's what I'm going to say. But the problem that I see here is. It wouldn't matter if we end the benefits on September 6th or we end the benefits on December 6th. Right. People are still going to be upset one way or another. This has to come to an end. And I mean, I I hate to get political here, but you look at the unemployment rates by state. The top 10 states with the lowest unemployment rates, all GOP-run, all-ended unemployment benefits. Right. The top 10 states, including California, with the highest unemployment rates- all Democratic-run states that did not end the unemployment benefits. So I think it's extremely misleading to say that it has no impact on the market. And it's not the sole reason for why people aren't going back to work. There are other things. I think people still are scared of COVID because people are freaked out from the media. Yeah. But I I do think it is extremely misleading to say that it has no impact on the labor market. And I got to disagree with you on one thing you said. You may not know you said it, but you say, well, I still think some people still
1: need unemployment. I think no one needs unemployment because some people what they say, oh, but I can't get the job I want. You know, when I was growing up, it's like yeah. you do whatever you need to do to make money. Yeah. And it's not like, well, that I don't like that job or that's too hard. I want this. I almost said a swear word there. That's a bunch of crap. <laughs> you know, uh, y- you're supposed to take care of yourself and do that, not have. Because, again, what is it when you're on unemployment? It's because of other people working, paying into unemployment that are helping you out. Now again i'm all for unemployment when there are no jobs because the economy is slowing down the economy is not slowing down we are doing well in the economy a lot of jobs out there and you may not have the job that you like or want but you go to work and wait for that job to come up don't be dependent on the government the government is not this big thing that just has money falling from the sky it is millions and millions of people working their butts off paying taxes. So you don't have to work because it's not the job you want. I just get irritated with that. There, there, there should be the unemployment right now
2: should be 1%. well, should it be what it normally was. Well, no, it should be far below that because we have got so many jobs out there. So, and no, I, I'm saying it, it should just go back to what we had before, which is what we're doing. Where, I mean, because some people will get laid off, yeah, it, but, there's a, it, there's, but there's there's a job, job openings, it. but it still takes right. time to find a job. So, I mean, we're not a political talk show, so I don't want to spend too much time on that, this. Yeah, but, but I, I will yeah. say that you know I do think unemployment. Still right. needs to be a thing going forward because right. somebody could still lose their job next week and it's like, oh, sorry, you get nothing for the next two months. <laughs> I still think we need some type of supplemental income right. that, that what we had before was fine. We don't need right. extras yeah. is the, the point.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I suppose there could be certain circumstances, but very, very small. Not enhanced from the federal government. Right. The state government's fine. Right. That that was fine. Right. But. Yeah. But, but again, 10 million jobs out there, go find a job. Yeah. Stop being... Uh, lazy and staying at home. So I'll, I'll probably piss some people off saying that. But you know what? That, that's where I was brought up. I'm from the old generation where, and you, you know, back when I was growing up and, and, and so Well, forth. it was meant yeah.
2: to to give you aid while you look for a new job. A new it was job. temporary yeah. to kind of supplement your income using your own assets that you've accrued over time. <laughs> no. It's a supplement to help you through the, the, the short-term period. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, people, oh, it's going to hurt the economy. It's not going to hurt the economy. There's trillions of dollars out there right now. So I, you're not going to see a slowdown because we stopped paying unemployment. I, I completely disagree with that. Yeah, and, I, and I will say one thing, look on the other side, and I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit here,
1: but one thing it could hurt because if you're not working and you're home all day, you have time to go to the Shop. restaurant and go shopping and so forth. But when you work 40 hours a week. Uh, you, you know what, I'm going to go home and just kind of watch TV because I'm kind of tired. So maybe that
2: could curtail things a little bit, just looking at the other side. I think it could change change the economy a little bit, though, because you might need back-to-work clothes. Yeah. You might need more home office equipment. So, you know, there it could be a different type right. of spending. So Yeah, that's true. So it, it's positive. I, I, how you look at overall,
1: going back to work is positive. Let, let's talk about uh, something else here that, uh, again, we talk about... I. Again, I've been on, on, quote-unquote, Wall Street or in the investment world for over 40 years. But once again, SPACs, which are special purpose acquisition companies, are in the news. This time, however, not because of what a great investment they will be, but because of the lawsuits that are stacking up due to the huge losses that investors are seeing,
2: sometimes losing as much as 50%. Yeah, I mean, it has been something that's been... Something that we talked about yeah. in the past. I mean, the, the complaints are that people are misled on these hot investments. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this <laughs> It just irritates the heck out of me. Because what was one of the things we talked about when we talked about these SPACs? You can mislead people. Right. That's part of the rules of the SPACs. That's why they can Come out this way rather than the IPO. Is you can come out with these big pro forma numbers, yeah. and it's a different type of regulation from the SEC. We talked about this months ago. We knew the rules of the game, and guess what? These people that got burned. I'm sorry. I don't feel bad, and you know, I I hate to say that, but you need to know the rules of the game before you play. Right. And if you go buy a stock, and if you gambled on it, I. I give a lot more forgiveness to people when they say, "Ah, yeah, I gambled on I it." Had $1, and $1, $1, I had thousand dollars. I put it. You in. know, I I thought it was going to be a big hit. Right. Great, it was a gamble. I'm fine with people when they say that. I'm not okay with people. This is so unfair. You know, this is Wall Street, and th- <laughs> you knew the rules, or you should have known the rules before you took a big position and made an investment in that company. So, I I it just irritates me when people make these decisions. Without knowing more about it. And then they blame somebody else. Blame yourself. That was your fault. Well, and this is why listeners of the smart investing show should be telling their friends and neighbors
1: to listen because they'll be smart investors. Because not everybody, unfortunately, listens to the smart investing shows. So they didn't know. And like, oh, yeah, this is great. And you don't get it. This is going to be great
2: because uh, such and such athlete, he thinks it's great. Like, (laughs) it's just crazy what people think. And and it's as we said, the SPACs, when they were coming out this way and merging, like companies could come out and say, yeah, we're going to sell a million electric cars in the next 10 years. Yeah. That's totally fine. They can do that. Yeah. And they, they can mislead you. That's fine.
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, but our firm, we have warned against another hot product from Wall Street because, uh, you know, these things just make tons and tons of money for Wall Street. But unfortunately, the investor is one that loses out. And this is where you have to be informed. You have to look at things to understand what's going on. And, and I've been doing this for 40 years. And I say, if I still don't understand something, I'm not going to invest in it. But unfortunately, people, many just average people, just say, "Wow, it sounds so great!" I'm going to get into that without not understanding. How many people have you seen over the years? You've been, you know, in the office now what six years now? Uh, have you seen come through? where, yeah, I lost his money. Talked to a a, a friend last night, and <clears throat> she went with somebody else and lost her all her money. Yeah. And it's just, and I you know, we don't get as much now, <clears throat> but when you tell people what we expect to earn, I mean, yeah, if you 8%, eight eight, ten, maybe twelve percent average for you, you're doing pretty darn good. Very rarely now do I hear like, oh, that's not very much. You know, I I can do 20 or 30. Well, (laughs) you know, good luck to you. But uh, it's just that people want to believe the hype. They want to believe that the SPACs were another thing like, oh, this is going to be great. And we warned against it. And we've done this over and over again on different investment products on our show. The best way to invest is find good quality businesses at good reasonable prices and ride the volatility and see what you'll be through to five years.
2: Yeah. And I, I will say, I mean, a great <laughs> example of that is we're, we're very conservative. Yeah. And we took a look at this company this past week. And gosh, we probably spent what between the two of us, I, I'd probably put it around 15, 20 hours just yeah. between the two of us. Yeah. And we ended up not buying. It. <laughs> and the reason for that was the earnings weren't flowing through it into cash flows. And we're looking and saying, well, how is that occurring? Right. And once we found the answer to that, it just didn't make much sense. We want to see good earnings and good cash yeah. flows, not one or the other. It should be both. That's a not an accounting trick, right. which it seems like this company was playing. Yeah. And I'm going to say here, and I, this is going to sound a little crazy, but I still think that stock is going to go up. I think oh, it could. But the problem could. is, if it starts to go lower, you start to say, why in the world did I buy that? We knew that the right. earnings weren't flowing through to the cash flows. That makes no sense. And then you're like, now I'm stuck with this terrible company. Do you sell it? Do you not sell it? It didn't fit into our philosophy. You're stuck in this game now. That's why you have to stick to your discipline, stick to your philosophy, because if things start to go south, you're not doubting yourself. here. You say, no, I, I know this is a good business. You don't have the questions in the back of your mind like we would have had. Had we bought this company?
1: And, and actually, you know, and I, I kind of agree that I think this stock could go up. We're not going to give the name of it because yeah. it's just I, I don't want to do that. But uh, trying to give an educational example here is that when I looked at the last quarter, um, it fell. We'll give the numbers here. Uh, it fell down to twenty dollars a share. And then this quarter, it fell from twenty kind of what it was last quarter down to around eight. And now it's kind of rising again. And I'm thinking perhaps the same thing could happen next quarter. And maybe the stock goes from 8 to maybe 14, 15. Well, if the same thing comes out next quarter, they have to do this adjustment again, perhaps the stock will fall to 5. It just doesn't make sense to invest in something that you know is having these problems. And you had to be – because, again, i got to be honest. I was very excited about this company. I thought, wow, we found a great business here that's on sale. they got great earnings and so forth. When we dug through the financials and started asking questions, all of a sudden I realized, like, wait a minute. And, and I was disappointed because I thought, yep. wow, this is going to be good. But I said, no, uh, based on how they account for their revenue
2: and what it was, I was like, no, this going to hurt us. The other thing, too, in the conference call that we saw, and this is something, too, people that listen to the show and they, they hear us go through the numbers. And I say, ah, I should take more more research here if it is good because yeah. the numbers <clears> look great on this company. Somebody called me into the radio show and said, yeah, this looks pretty good. You do, should do more research. But what I'll tell you is when we did the more research on probably, I'd say, the second and third last page of the conference call, they were talking about their debt levels. And yeah, we're going to have to take on another $150 million in debt. It wasn't a huge company. So that was a pretty sizable amount. And yeah, we'll probably have to do more capital raises in future years. And oh, yeah, our operating cash flow should be positive (laughs) in 2025. We said, ah, no way is this company what we thought it was. And that company starts talking about taking on debt in the future, we gotta look somewhere else. Yeah. And the thing that's funny too is that normally
1: the reverses happen. You'll have a company that can have uh, cash flow positive and negative earnings. Yeah. This was reversed. Like how can you have positive earnings and negative cash flow? It was accounting. Yep. So and and again, this will probably be a business that you know, again, I think you're right. It probably will go up. We even talked about that; it's going to go up, but we can't justify it, and it's not going to go up forever. And it's just, there's other companies out there that have accounting issues, and they could be fine for six months, twelve months, maybe even years, but eventually that accounting catches up to them. So, just kind of a lesson learned. We kind of got off on a tangent with facts, <laughs> but, the, the, but that's the whole thing. I mean, you've got to, it, you know, it's just so funny. Oh, stocks are so risky. No, stocks are not risky if you pay a good price for them. And you're you're looking at long term, but don't try to gamble with them. Well, let's talk about the real estate market because it was crazy last year. But the big question is, will the boom continue? It appears that we could be seeing a slowdown. Pending home sales fell for a second straight month as the index declined 1.8 percent in July, and this did follow a decline of two percent in June, and greatly misses the forecast of an increase
2: of 0.4 percent in July. And after two straight months of declines, contracts signed have actually declined 8.5% year over year. And the index is a forward-looking indicator that looks at contract signings. Doesn't mean the homes have closed, but, you know, kind of, again, a good future indicator for pending, or not pending home sales. I just That's what we're talking about. Existing home sales is what this is a good indicator for. Uh, But one bright spot that I'll point out is housing inventory picked up for a sixth straight month as it climbed... 7.3% 7.3% in the month of July. But even with the recent uptrend, inventory still remains 12% below where it was last year. Yeah. yeah. And that's part of the,
1: the, the problem that is a problem right now because of low inventory. Oh, you know, people are very excited. That will change because something's going to change it. And it's, there's not going to be uh, flashing lights out there that tells you that things have changed. It's going to change where so all of a sudden people start putting their house on the market. Um, We ran uh, a post on our social media and got quite a few brokers saying, I had one broker, I remember I just read it last night. He said, yeah, I've sold six homes over the last, I don't know, couple of months or so. And he goes, every single of those homes, the people were leaving California. Now, the big thing with any type of investment is supply demand. If you've got a large supply and a low demand, prices will fall. And I see that happening here in California uh, I don't want to, again, get too political, but if there's not a change on the recall, um, I think you could see more people. I'm talking about the governor recall. I think you'd see more people say, I'm leaving this state. Well, who's going to be left to buy all these homes? Because also, too, home builders they're trying to build homes like crazy, and I've seen yeah. this happen before. They're building homes crazy to meet the demand. We don't build a home a, a next week. It takes I don't know. I think six months or so to, to complete a home depends on the regulations. Depend, yeah, depends. <laughs> I think it was another thing. But um, all of a sudden, you could have this big supply of homes, and the people that could afford those homes are declining to where that's going to be in prices coming down. And as prices come down a little bit, then people might start panicking, like, "Oh, I got to get out of it." So you could have this big supply. I I would say by next year, I'm going to put my uh, stick my neck out here. I think by next year, you're going to see a totally different real estate market here in California
2: and San Diego. I I think so too, and I. I will bring up, I mean, last year in 2020, California saw a population decline of 182,000 people. You might be saying, ah, whatever. Like, that doesn't sound that bad. That was the first time since 1900 that our population has declined in California. So people say, yeah, people are leaving California, but people are coming in. Not necessarily true, not at the same rate. And that, don't forget, that accounts for births and deaths and everything else. But I don't think people are dying at a faster rate right. than uh, coming into this world. I think it's more about the outflows versus the inflows. So yeah. um, I, I do worry about it because, as you said, that's the demand side of the equation. Well, uh, the supply side right. is, well, people want to get out of California, so they're going to put their house <laughs> on the market. So we have more supply, less demand. That That's not positive. And I don't think we're going to have like a 30% crash no. or anything in I think what you'll see is you'll see a, a ten to fifteen percent pullback in housing prices, or as we've said this before, they just go nowhere right. for the next twenty years.
1: And I don't know, it'll be ten percent. Because just think about that. I mean, right yes, now in San Diego, the it's almost like the average price of a home is like a million dollars. Well, you fall ten percent, people looking like, well, I just lost a hundred thousand dollars. I better get out of this thing that I got. I remember a long time ago we, we did a um, uh, a post and talked about uh, millennials. Uh, younger people buying homes and so forth, and they were very disenchanted with, like, well, I didn't know it was going to be this, and I think I'm paying too much for the mortgage, and I didn't know I had to cut the grass and all this other stuff. Those people could change it. I, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think we're going to have a big decline, but if things go too far the wrong way, and some of these people realize, like, well, this is not what I thought it was going to be, I, I thought I'd buy this home in a million dollars, then next year it'd be worth a hundred thousand uh, dollars more, not less. I'm gonna get out of this because I don't wanna do everything. That that could
2: cause a problem. I don't think we'll see that. And I don't the, think so. The, the reason reason possible. Is, yeah, the reason I don't think we'll see it is because uh, it's just such a pain to like get out of the house. Yeah. And the reason that we saw that kind of I'm gonna say cascade effect in two thousand seven, two thousand and eight was because people were so over leveraged. Right. If we had like a ten percent pullback in the market right now, in the housing market, you wouldn't have to really see the foreclosures that right. we saw, that really forced people to sell in an opportune time. So that's why I, I, I just, I'm leaning more towards the side of you go nowhere. And yeah. I mean, a great example of this is 2006 to, I think it was last month, housing price gains about 40 percent, and that's even after the huge run-up from 2006 till now. You say, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 15 yeah. years, and you, your house still hasn't even doubled. Yeah. People, oh, but I bought in 2000 you know, eight, 2009, well, congratulations, you bought it at a great price, so you've probably done better, but now what's that mean your house is gonna do from today to 2031, let's right. say? Probably not gonna double. Right, right. And, Actually, yeah. I'm gonna say 99% chance Yeah, double.
1: And, and, and I agree, and I said that, I think what people are gonna see is like very little appreciation on the next 10 years on the homes, but I do still kind of worry about, some people about bought homes, they bought them, bought them with the misconception mm-hmm. that, wow, this is going to be great. It's going to go up every year. I'm going to make, I'm going to make 20% on my money every year. Yeah. This is great. You don't get it and so forth. And when that stops and they say, well, this is just a pain in the butt taking care of this house. I don't want it. I want to get rid of it. You could see the inventory increase dramatically. And as that increases and people start, it starts that snowball effect. So I, I, I would say there's a small chance of that happening where we see big declines in the housing market, but I do have to say I can see it as a possibility that could happen. I mean, and, and again, we always kind of talk about no one in our office owns real estate. I mean, I sold mine. I, I You know, my other assistant sold it. We just are concerned on the, the real estate market that it's not going to go up. Well, kind of like the specs. Not going to go up, you know, and I, and I just, we will see. Uh, but I think next year, uh, we'll be talking about the show. The show We would have had the show for, what, 28 years, been doing the Smart Investing Show. We'll, we'll be here next year. I, I think we'll be talking about the... Slow down in real estate, perhaps some decline. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so, uh, yeah I agree. So. You know, and I totally forgot to give up the phone numbers. We have no one waiting for any uh, questions here. If you, you do have a question on a stock you hold or looking at buying or selling, have other investment questions, give us a call. All phone lines are open. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And as always, it will get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, Real opinion about what you want to talk about.
2: Yeah, uh, should we talk about the workshop too? I mean, that's coming up in just a few weeks. Is it really? I have yeah. no notes on the workshop. I mean, oh, I did, oh that's like, a bummer. Yeah, oh, it, 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 it is going to it's be. It's nineteen days away. So September twenty third. Oh, okay.
1: Well, let's let's talk. so it's September twenty third. Are we in September already? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I I guess it's just like it's a whirlwind just going by. But yeah, we will be holding a workshop September third and twenty third. 23rd, thank you. September
2: 3rd was yesterday. Yesterday, that's right. (laughs) September 23rd. You missed it. I know, I know. Thanks for bringing that up.
1: Uh, But we will be discussing, you know, how we manage money, what we do, how we do, how to avoid investments like the SPACs and the craziness. Get your emotions under control. It is a free workshop, but what you need to do is sign up for the workshop. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office 858 546 4306. That's 858 546 4306. If you want to see how we'll see asset management manages money, how we've done this for so many years and how we uh, keep our feet on the ground, I'll say that's what the workshop designed to do is show you what we do and how we do it.
2: Yeah. So. Now we're, we're looking forward to enjoy doing on darn near a monthly basis so yeah it's always exciting and i, I did want to bring up one other tool i uh, kind of talked about it over the last few weeks for for investors as well but the YouTube. our youtube channel yes, you it has been out. growing we've been getting some compliments on that and a little bit more activity uh so i think people are enjoying it but if you go to our youtube channel uh our youtube.com just type in smart investing with and chase chase wilsey and you'll actually see our weekly stock analysis is what we call it. And on that weekly stock analysis, we'll break down different companies, kind of give you some tips on potential buys, maybe companies that aren't worth buying or maybe they're in the hold category. We'll, we'll kind of do it on the fly, kind of like yeah. we do with the radio show. We pick yeah. a company and then we see if we like it or not, Yeah, why we're doing it. And uh, yesterday was a very important company, Zoom. Zoom. <laughs> um, we, we know how important that was during COVID, but talking about kind of the, the return to normalcy and a normal economy, how is Zoom going to do? Well, you know, again, go to our YouTube channel, Smart Investing with Brent Chase. Chase so You can see that video there. Most of the time, they're around 15 minutes, so we're able to dive a little bit deeper than we are with callers at times. So, um, you know, let us know what you think about it. You can comment, like the video there as well yeah and
1: and also too it is like a educational tool because we are kind of going through it at the same time and uh we, we try to pick companies that you know we think people have interest in we don't really know what the results are until we go through it but we are talking and kind of discussing as we go through so
2: people kind of learn to make you, again, a smarter investor. So um, how, do, how do you see that again on YouTube? Just, Just go to Smart Investing with Brent Chase Wilson. You'll see our, our channel there. It also has our old, uh, our old, but our recent and old media segments that we do on okay. KUSI and Fox 5. So you can see a lot of different videos there. Yeah, a lot of stuff there for them. All right, phone numbers
1: again, 866-577-2473. That's 866 five seven seven two four seven three let's go to temecula and speak with john john you're in the smart Visual brent chase how can we help you
0: hey good morning gentlemen good morning i I did go on hey i went on the uh youtube uh last week um and yeah it's pretty cool it's uh, really great and i'm not a youtube guy but i thought it was uh well done so thank
1: you for that oh well thanks for telling that you enjoyed it make sure you don't keep that a secret tell everybody else as well
0: (laughs) Uh, great. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm, uh, looking uh, at uh, some insurers and, uh, and thinking Old Republic might be a good, uh, a good choice here. Um, you know, it's a little bit on the decline right now and I think we're going to get a a pretty good entry point uh, to hold for a while. It's got a pretty good dividend and I think it's diversified enough to, uh, to be one of, uh, one of the insurance products in our our companies in, in the portfolio.
1: You know it's funny, John. I, I like this name. I've looked at this before. I've never put it in our portfolio, um, but I just I, maybe I'll find out why when I go through the numbers. But it's just like I I like this company. I like to. You said it's in a little bit of a decline. Well, again, that t- tells me it could be going on sale. So let's take a look at the Old Republic International Corporation symbol is O R I. What a great start. P E ratio four point eight versus nine point three. Price to sales, 0.95 versus 1.2. Price to book value, 1.1 versus 1.5. And unfortunately, no price to cash flow. But again, on these valuation ratios, you want them lower. And that's what you're getting with Old Republic. You also get a pretty good dividend yield here, at 3.5%. They only use 35% of their earnings to pay that out. We do see sales year over year are up 14.5%, above the industry at 12.4%. And while earnings per share up 490% uh, versus 744 for the industry, and that's a year over year for the last 12 months. They are an insurance company, so the balance sheet's a little bit different uh, here. No current ratio. Debt to equity is 23 versus 37, so that is good. Return on equity very positive for Old Republic, 25 versus 143 Net profit margin, also a good number, 19.4 versus 12.8, and no receivable or inventory turnover since it is an insurance company. Chase, very curious
2: on the earnings going forward, what we got here. Yeah, so current price here for Old Republic International Corp, uh, $25.29. As you said there, John, it has looked like it started to pull back from its 52-week high of $26.00 and 69 cents i'd like to see it pull back a little bit more i'm curious what our buy price would be on this business uh looking at the 52 week low of 13 22 i'm guessing our buy entry point would probably be around 24 dollars a share just kind of guessing there in terms of that but uh looking forward here i go to december 2022 i see estimated earnings per share at two dollars and 37 cents would give us a very, very attractive target sell price at thirty nine dollars and thirty four cents. I mean, I I like the insurance business. I know we we've, we've talked in the past about insurance. I mean, it's just it's a great company, a great structure because companies write insurance to win based right. on their actuary tables, and most of the time premiums go up. You get that steady stream of income. So, I mean, I love the insurance business. I I think that uh, this is an interesting one, but kind of as you said, be patient, watch it. Uh, could get a better price here uh especially we're anticipating a pullback could be one to add to you. i'm going to call it your wish list yeah and and john you do want
1: to understand what this company does and i believe and then this is from a memory that they do reinsurance so they're kind of backing up other insurance companies but very important the insurance company we like the numbers as so we got to do the research what are they insuring because we know the insurance company we have they're getting off into other different things direct insurance and so forth understand what old republic is doing because i i like it i think it's worth the research um I don't know maybe we'll even look at it ourselves in our, our portfolio, but it depends what type of insurance they do all right
0: yeah they're they're a little bit of, of everything. I think they do a little uh, reinsurance, but it's not uh their main their thing? Main, their main thing yeah, and interesting, they called out for a, a special dollar fifty uh dividend to be paid in October. Um, in addition to their normal dividend, so you know, Tom, telling think things have got to be relatively good if they're if they're willing to to part with that cash as a as a
1: special dividend. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 that's pretty good, especially with the the, the price and everything else.
2: So yeah, especially with a already strong dividend yield, because we, yeah. we held the company, <clears throat> um, gosh, a couple of years ago, and they would do special dividends uh, very regularly, but right. their their, I'm going to say their normal dividend was about one percent. You're not know, in the special dividend, and there's pretty good dividend yield. But I mean, at 3.5% plus a special dividend, if they do that on a regular basis, well, this company is that's about an 8 to 10% yield. Yeah, I yeah. I am curious are they doing that instead of stock buybacks? Because I know our insurance company has bought a lot of stock back yeah. over the years, which has really helped shareholders, but. Right. Are they oh, kind sure. of taking a different approach here? Yeah,
1: I, I definitely yeah. like it. I, I think we should cancel the show now and go back to the office and research just a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John, hey, thanks for calling.
0: Thanks. Hey, and just one last thing. Sure. At one point in time, you guys said you were you were going to maybe do something on reinsurance. And I do have one reinsurance company in my portfolio. And it would be great. You know, there's probably three, you know, a handful that might make sense for people. And that would be great to see because I think it's, a, it's an interesting space in the market.
2: Yeah, maybe yeah. if you could call back uh, maybe next week or the following week, yeah, I'd love to take a look at a reinsurance company there. Yeah, yeah, we got the yeah, phone line booked this morning. So.
1: John? All
0: right, guys, take care. All right, thanks for calling. Sure. Have a good one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye now.
1: Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's head out to El Cajon and speak with Ron. Ron, you're in the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you
3: uh, yeah Brent, how are you guys doing uh, how are you doing i was wondering uh i didn't give you a chance to answer i'm sorry That's i was wondering uh concerning the entertainment industry and i'm not talking about the hollywood genre but uh places like branson missouri do they happen to offer stocks and if so uh wh- what about that I,
1: I mean there's companies that uh and actually we held a company still hold it uh, that's an entertainment company, a gambling company. They actually do have a lot in Vegas, but they have other places. I think they might even have some casinos in Springville, or Springfield, Missouri, and other places. Yeah. I don't think you yeah. can find one specific just to that area. Uh, but I mean, can- Br-
3: Branson, if you know where that is, it's below Springfield a little yeah. bit. But that's uh, that's a big big item these days. Everybody wants to go to Branson to uh, see all the different shows and uh, mm-hmm. Things like that, you know. I, I think so, what you'd I find water.
1: is the, uh, the the bigger players would have casinos and entertainment companies there, but I, I don't yeah. believe you'd have one company. It's possible, but I, I, it'd almost probably be a penny stock company because it just wouldn't be that large just to be in Branson. I know Branson could be a big hit, but I don't think you'd have yeah. one company that would, you know. Could yeah,
3: yeah. I was thinking maybe maybe just an overall uh, uh, blanket uh, organization, you know what I'm saying, but uh, maybe not. Just, it just crossed my mind. Yeah. All right, thank you. All right, Ron, thanks for calling.
1: Have a good one. Good one. Bye bye. All right, that does open the phone line 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. And I kind of like where Ron was going. That's another way to invest. Say, well, here's something that's hot. Let me look at it and see what direction it will go. But you got to make sure that, again, it's uh, because one city like that or one area wouldn't be enough. And what we saw. Uh, getting into our entertainment company was, uh, and they had them in Massachusetts. And a lot was in Vegas, but all yeah. over the country.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, it is something to kind of understand. And I, I, Branson, Missouri might be popular, but the likelihood it becomes the next Vegas, I'm going to say unlikely. Yeah. Uh, it could be, you know, um, maybe like an Atlantic City type deal or mm-hmm. a. Uh, Laughlin, I know that's another one that would yeah. like to go to. Maybe that's kind of the, the way it's heading, but yeah, I, I don't know if major players would be there because, you know, you, you, it's not just the gaming side. you got to start getting, like, the resorts and everything. like Entertainment. Yeah, yeah. the entertainment. Right. I mean, so, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's a, a good thought process. And the other thing to understand, too, a lot of the big Vegas companies, I don't know if I like it at times, but they're also quite prevalent in Macau. And, you know, they have oh, different yeah. different areas that they're in, not just Vegas. Yeah, exactly.
1: All right, let's head up to Escondido and speak with Brad. Brad, you're in the Smart Vegetable, Brent and Chase. How can we help you?
4: Yeah, hey, how's it going, guys? And um, how you doing? I uh, appreciate your you Yeah, doing real good. Um, I found it interesting you commented just a little bit ago about how uh, how none of you own any real estate anymore, you know, in this market. Um, I just wanted to kind of get your input on, uh, on whether or not, you know, a, a destination home, uh, you know, like a vacation purchase, you know, with the... With the mortgage rates being the way that they are, uh, you know, there is money available through you know, anyone who owns a home here in San Diego. Um, do you think that that is a wise, you know, decision? Is is that a wise investment as of, you know, as given the current times since, you know, the vacation rentals are way up, uh, Airbnbs, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing? I just kind of wanted to get your take on that whole thing
1: there. And you're talking about not vacation home for yourself, but a vacation home to kind of do Airbnb and to rent out. Is that correct? Yeah,
4: kind of use as both, you know, I um, mean, rent it out, you know, for several months out of the year and then maybe use it, you know, a couple times a year for yourself.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've not really done much, much research on that. I, I always kind of worry about getting that one tenant comes in or you you, you thought you screened them well and they come in, they
2: destroy the place. Uh, that's my only concern, Chase. I mean Commentary? Yeah, I mean, it, it is, I, I will say we've had clients that have had success with it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's like any investment. You got to do the research. The numbers could be there, but you need to kind of look at the potential cash flows from it, look at what your cost of the investment is, and then is that a good return? You need to run the numbers on it. I mean, I don't want to say yes or no in terms of a blanket statement because it, it very well could be an opportunity. And, and don't get us wrong, when you say real estate is... Not a great investment at this time. I don't want to say every single house out there is a bad investment. Right, there, right. There's still opportunities, and there's always opportunities. It just takes a lot of research, and you have to know what you're doing. Could be the same thing here with a Airbnb-type deal. I will caution you on one part of it is what are the regulations going to be on that? If you get yeah. that as a short-term rental, and all of a sudden the government comes in and says, uh, we're not going to allow short-term rentals, or the HOA comes in, and there's a new HOA, and they said, no, we're not doing short-term rentals here anymore. That could very well hurt the price of that property. And and uh, we do actually have uh, one client that, that did say that he bought one house and wanted to rent it out short-term. I can't rent out that house as a short-term rental yeah. because of the area. So yeah. that's my biggest area of caution, I would say, Brad. Yeah. and Brad, I think if you can find something
1: on sale out there, and maybe there's some real estate across the country that uh, is on sale, uh, maybe that would make some sense if you think that there could be appreciation uh, on the other side with the vacation home rental home mm-hmm. uh, I've never bought one because I've seen my friends do that over the years and what seems to happen you buy that vacation home, like oh I can rent it out and I can go up there myself it's it appears when you have that you you get that vacation home you go there oh shoot now I gotta cut the grass oh now this broke I mean when I go on vacation I want to be taken care of, not taking care of my place. I, that's why I love hotels and stuff yeah. because they wait on me. But that, that's just my philosophy on on that. And, and as Chase said too, it is kind of concerning too on what could change because you you, you think of this great deal, and, oh, I'm going to rent out, make all this money from it, and then regulations change. So it's a possibility. But you got like like the same thing with equities. You got to do some research and really understand will that make sense. Right. All right.
4: Okay. Well, yeah. Very good. I appreciate it very much.
1: Okay, Brad. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. All right, thanks you too. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line 88665772473. 8- That's 8665772473. Let's talk to our financial planner Harrison. Good morning Harrison, how are you doing this morning?
4: Good morning guys, doing well. How are you doing?
1: Well, good. Good. I see we're talking this morning about only refinance for the right reasons. Well, I guess we going to say, well, what are the right reasons? <laughs> <laughs>
4: And uh, it's kind of interesting. This somewhat correlates to the previous caller asking about does it make sense to take some maybe cash out or buy a house in a, another area. So in some cases, it absolutely can make sense, but, you know, you have to understand the cash flow. You have to understand the risk and all that. So um, the point I wanted to make here is I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now who in the last 24 months or so have refinanced. Um, If you have a mortgage, there's a good chance that you have. And I think in many cases, that's a good thing. Uh, A lot of people that I've been meeting with, I have been telling them to refinance structured a certain way um, because it would benefit you. But the issue is pretty much everyone out there who has had the opportunity to refinance pretty much has done it. And they've locked in that low rate. So from a mortgage broker perspective, you know, those guys. Uh, have been working really hard through this. Um, They've been talking to a lot of people. They've been selling a lot of loans and they've been doing really well, which there's nothing wrong with that. They're just used to, you know, being really successful in this current low interest rate environment. Um, But the problem is they've talked to everybody they possibly can. And in some cases now they're circling back to people they've sold loans to just a couple months ago. So there's two things I want to point out here. The first is, when you get a new loan, whether it's refinance or a new uh, origination loan, uh, mortgage or whatever it is, in many cases, you have to keep that loan in fixed place in six months. You have to keep it for six months or else it can kind of um, screw over the mortgage broker with free penalty payments and fees and, and that kind of thing to you. But after six months, that mortgage broker can then sell you a new loan and then make another commission off it. So that's the first piece. The second piece is, even in the last several months, property values have continued to go up. So if you had equity a couple months ago, now you have more equity at this point, And that means you have the opportunity to take more cash out at this time, even if you already have. So I've had several clients come to me and say, Hey, you know, we refinanced our mortgage earlier this year. It's been great. But now the company who did the loan is coming back after six months or, or so and saying that I can refinance again, Now I can take more cash out. I can take that money out and invest it. I can do all these things. Should I do it? And so um, in this case, you know, they've already locked in the low loan rate. So it's not as enticing to do again, especially if you're going to take another few hundred thousand dollars out, Um, you know, now you have a higher monthly payment to make. You've got a higher loan balance. And in some cases that can put you above the conforming loan limit, which means your interest rate is going to be higher. Um, So you want to be very careful if you're going to refinance, you have to do it for the right reasons. A mortgage broker, if they can tell you to refinance, if they can get you to buy a loan, they're going to do it because they make a commission off it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's in your best interest. So some good reasons to refinance would be if you can lower your rate or payment. In that case, it can be a good idea. If you've got a great investment opportunity because you're listening to Brent and Chase all the time and you've got some good investment ideas, maybe that could be an opportunity. Um, if you're paying off high interest debt, that can be a good time. Uh, maybe if you're remodeling, if, assuming you can afford it, and then you, you do it with a mortgage because that can give you some tax benefits by writing off the interest. Those can be good ideas. But just because maybe you want some money or in just – simply because interest rates are low and you can do a cash out doesn't necessarily mean you could. So I wanted to point that out because there are probably people out there who are being approached by their mortgage brokers and offering to get new loans. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you should.
1: And and Harrison, I bet you there's a lot of good mortgage brokers out there that are very good salespeople trying to generate that commission. And there is a point when I remember used to be years ago has changed if your rate was going to be about 2% lower, made sense to refinance. That that has been kind of thrown out the window. But what I think is happening now, perhaps, mortgage brokers are saying, oh, yeah, look at this. You now have more than $100,000 in equity. We can do that and use that um, to entice them to refinance again. And the other thing I always talk about, too, is that sometimes you got to realize, too, like, yeah, your payment may have went down, but overall you could be paying more if you're going to stay in that house for 30 years. So there's so many factors as a financial planner you have to look at to say, yeah, this does make sense or no, it doesn't make sense. And and would you recommend that when someone gets that call from that mortgage broker saying, Hey, we can do this for you and so forth, do you think it's a good idea for them to call their financial planner? Obviously you to, to talk about it if it does make sense or not?
4: Absolutely. I had I talked to somebody yesterday where that exact same thing happened. So but yeah. you also have to talk to a financial planner who knows how to value mortgages. It's not just the interest rate and the payment. It's well, what is the cash flow? What can you do with that cash? What are we going to do with the off spending capital? What's the tax impact of that? Um, I look at mortgages from a net present value perspective. I don't know anybody else who does that, um, but that gives you the true cost of the current mortgage that you have relative to what the new alternatives would be. Um, So you have to have somebody with an unbiased perspective who knows how to value those mortgages.
2: Yeah, I was going to say too, I, I was kind of disappointed. I was watching TV the other day and this commercial came on and it was talking kind of about what we're talking about. Oh, you got all this equity in your home and, you know, you can do a cash out refinance. And they gave three things you can do with the money. I forget the first one. The second one was pay off high interest debt. Great. That's a great idea. Sure. The third one was pull it out so you can have the security you deserve in cash. <laughs> and I was thinking, to are you serious? Why would you pull out money at even, I, I'm going to be very generous here, at 2% to put it in an account that's yielding at best in a high-yield savings account right now, maybe 1% if you oh, find the right... What are you looking at? 05 the, the, <laughs> the online ones, I think, are still like 0.8%. Yeah. No, no. they declined. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Me> I, <down. laughs> I haven't looked lately at, at some of the other ones, but I, trying I'm, to be just, generous, I'm just being right, generous right. here. I, I just think that was very disingenuous and that, that commercial yeah. completely... I lost all trust in that that brand because I I, I that that is a terrible path of advice. I, I thought you were gonna say yeah, oh, it.
1: They, they said uh, and take a nice vacation. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 take the vacation fine, you deserve. I
4: think I have to, <laughs> like that too. So you have to be careful with the point that you're talking about, Chase. I would say keep your existing loan, and then if you really want some extra security, get a key lock instead. You're still accessing the same equity, but then by doing that, it doesn't cost you anything. Um, if you don't need the
1: extra funding. Yep, that's the way to go. Well, Harrison, thank you very much. I know we took a little bit more of your time this morning, but such an important thing because I know that they are trying to get people to to, to refinance for maybe the wrong reasons. So uh, one thing, too, they can do, and I'll kind of promote you after we let you go here, but uh, to give you a call. Thanks for calling in this morning. We'll see you, not Monday morning, but we'll see you Tuesday morning. You have a good one. right.
4: Thanks, guys. We'll see you on Tuesday.
1: Okay, have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, again, that's our Harrison Johnson. He is our CFP, our financial planner at Wilsey Asset Management. Now, you can get a free consultation with him. And the big thing he brought up, uh, brought up was that he does the cash flow, the present value, and so forth. I, I hate to say this, but I – well, I don't hate to say it, but it's true. A lot of financial planners are more interested in trying to sell you investment products or insurance or something else as opposed to sit down with you and actually say, no, let's look at the present value of this mortgage to see what it really does for you and not really look at the overall situation as a financial planner. And he is on a salary. He does not get paid uh, any money for uh, selling product. So if you want to give Harrison a call, sit down talk with him. Give him a call at uh, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. You can speak to Harrison directly that way. Or go to the website, smartinvesting2000.com. Smartinvesting2000.com. And I will say one of the few Be base only financial planners in San Diego. I know there's others out there, but he's one of the few.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. He's great at what he does, and he just does the financial planning. And I've been asking him, he's going to do a topic here soon on on what is a CFP, and what do you learn during the CFP exam? Because people ask us, are we CFPs? And we say no, and they look at us like we're crazy. I'll tell you a little secret. You don't learn very much on the investing side hardly anything at all, when you actually take the CFP exam. So a lot of CFPs hide behind that name. And, oh, yeah, I'm a CFP. Is is your investment a professional CFP? I'll tell you something. You don't learn a whole lot. (laughs) No. No. So I'm I'm looking forward to kind of how he breaks that down. So I know a lot of times people don't know quite exactly what a cfp is and what they do so i i think that'll be a great segment for him coming up yeah and a cfp i mean they're very the right ones are very good it's a certified
1: financial planner financial planning includes your trust your insurance your taxes everything doesn't mean you're a good investment person i mean we focus all our time on the investment side and um to be a cfp would not help us at all because we spend so much time and we both have degrees in accounting and finance i mean that's what is more important than being a cfp if we're gonna manage money so, But, yeah, I can't wait to have that topic because I think a lot of people need to understand what a true CFP does and not say, oh, well, they're not a CFP, they're not great investment people. No, it has very little to do with that. All right, uh, I do see on the phones we got uh, from uh, Joe from Santa Barbara, Steve from Lake uh, Forest, stay with us. We, we do want to uh, go to the Facebook because we've got quite a few people lined up on Facebook. Uh, I think we're we'll going to go to uh, Kenneth and Facebook. Now, do you have anything? Uh, do you, is there any comments there, Chase, or what?
2: Uh, yeah, let's take a look here. He says... Uh, just pretty brief, but just says, what do you guys think about URBN, a.k.a. Urban Outfitters? Oh, I've not heard about that company in, in quite a while. And and I know
1: they're pretty popular, so I'm kind of curious to see what they look like here. And I do see a great start here. And again, the company is Urban Outfitters Incorporated, Symbol as URBN. PE rates right now, 11.2. That's half the industry at 22. So good start here. Price of sales, 0.8 versus 1.2. Wow, price to book value 1.9 versus 8.6, and price to cash flow the only one that's about the same as the industry, 8.2 versus 7.9. So the valuation ratios for Urban Outfitters looking pretty good. Now, here's something else that's amazing to me. Uh, Their sales year-over-year up 16.8%, double the industry at 8.9, earnings per share up 1,054% above the industry at 2.92, so you have a rare thing so far Low valuations and high growth rates. Great balance sheet here. We got a current ratio of 1.5 versus 1.7. No debt on the balance sheet for Urban Outfitters. The industry is at 62.6. Return on equity is 18.9 versus 25 for the industry. Net profit margin checks in at 6.9 for Urban Outfitters versus 5.5. Receivable turnover, very good, 53.5 for the company versus 33.8. Even inventory turnover, 6.7 versus 3.8. I'm I'm very curious on the numbers going forward because these are looking really very attractive. And we'll talk more about the company, but I want to
2: find more on the earnings. Yeah, yeah. So uh, current price here for Urban Outfitters, well, that's $32.20, 52-week high, $42.10. And I I thought I saw this company in the news here lately. I don't remember why they fell. I think it was quarterly earnings, and Mm -hmm. I I think they, they missed the mark on perhaps guidance, I'm not quite sure, but I remember seeing the headline. They were down substantially because just a few weeks ago is when they were above 40. And again, now they're at 32. And it doesn't sound like a whole lot. That's what, about a 20% decline. I mean, that's substantial. So uh, I'm very intrigued by that, especially if I look to January 2023, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.12. That would give us a target sale price of $51.79. So, I mean, I, I, I like the numbers behind this company. That That's for sure. Yeah, and,
1: and all the numbers looking pretty good. And I'm, I'm trying to visualize in my head because these are retail stores. Um, and I guess one concern would be, are they all in the malls? Um, how does that work? What is their product line? Um, I I think this is another second coming today that I think could be worth some research because this could be a, a big retailer. What you want to be careful of, and again as we talked about, I talked about this in Kosi last week, look at what could go wrong here. It, maybe they have a bad online you know, site. Maybe their stores are all in the mall. You got you got something? Did you just find something. Sorry, <laughs> I look in your face.
2: <laughs> I um I, I did look at what they do because I was curious, and and this is the thing I like about Urban Outfitters is they. Are brand based again. They're not a department store. They kind of have these brands, and I, I, I chuckle over here because I see one of their brands is Anthropology. Anthropology, what is that? I, uh, my fiance loves Anthropology. I thought that was like a uh, career. <laughs> no, it's it's a uh, it's a store. There's one in UTC. It, it, you know, I've been in there a couple of times for for presents and stuff. So, oh. uh, it's a cool store. Is um, it clothing? What what? I, I'm going to say clothing and, and I'm going to call them kind of like knickknacks. Like they mm-hmm. have different things like mugs, candles, like, but yeah, clothing. Um, So they, they have that. I was going to say, I don't know, um, you know, many people that go to Urban Outfitters, but I was looking at the breakdown of their stores as of January 31st, 2021, operated 247 Urban Outfitters, not super familiar with that. But 237 Anthropology stores and 149 Free People stores, and I, I think my fiance also really likes Free People as well. So never heard of this. Um, <laughs> it's it is a younger audience. It's right. it's for right, a, you say I'm old. <laughs> I guess. It's for adults <laughs> aged 18 to 28. So it is that yeah, kind of a younger group. I'm I'm definitely out of that group. Actually, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I, I'm actually just phasing out of that group. That's right. You are. You are. But but you know, and this
1: is so important as an investor. I mean, you got to look at saying, okay, well, I don't like those products. But will that group like that product or what are they gonna do? I mean, I, I think this could be another potential here that uh, I, I like the idea, of what we're seeing, the price and the, gosh, I looked up at the clock almost oh. time I don't to go go off of your hair. But um I I like that one. But I, I would want to understand more what's going on. Why does your fiance and other people like them? How's their online? And again, you saying they they manufacture the products and they have the stores, correct?
2: Uh, I believe they do the manufacturing, okay. but I know they have the brands. Yes. Okay. So it's not like, yeah. yeah, it's not like you go to Kohl's and, or Walmart or Target and you're going to see anthropology. Right. Like they, they are the brand. Right. Okay. Well, I, I, I like it. So another thing. Yeah, I added it to my watch list. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We'll put it on the watch list. We might, uh, maybe we'll buy it next week or another. I don't know. So <laughs> I don't know about
2: next I, week. Well, but, yeah, yeah but, we got a
1: lot of research to do, so. Oh gosh, darn it! There's the end of the uh, first show or first hour. Stay with us. You're listening Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. We'll be right back after this quick break. We're back already. Gosh, I break one by fast. Uh, gosh, uh, you're on the Smart Investor Show, Brent and Chase. Phone number's here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Chase went the whole hour, only promoted the workshop once. That was, uh, what, September 23rd, a Thursday evening yep. uh, At the uh, at, in Scripps Ranch. We're going to show you everything we do with it when it comes to investing, how important is compounding for investors. We'll also give you our thoughts on the current inflationary environment. We'll also go over it in detail what all these numbers are that we talk about. We talk about, well, you got to do this research and so forth. We're going to show you all the research we do. What you have to do is sign up, and it is a free workshop. Again, Thursday, uh, September 23rd, 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. Uh, gives a call at the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Ask for Brianna. She get you signed up. Probably the best way to do it is go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's Smart Investing 2000 com uh, com. Brandon, you had a comment about Urban Outfitters. I want to hear it.
3: Oh, I was uh, at Urban Outfitters recently, and I saw cassette tapes for sale, and I was like, I, I know about vinyl records being, like, coming back and everything, <laughs> but cassette tapes, I thought they had, like, the worst quality back in the day.
1: You, you know, that's true, and, and unfortunately, gosh, I just sold about, uh, what, eight months ago my 2006 Cadillac Escalade that had the cassette in it. My <laughs> new one does not have that in there, so well, how would you play these? I mean, I, I, I get it, you know, because I, I do actually have a as a phonograph, the, the record player, I had that. Oh, yeah. But what are you going to do for a
2: cassette? I mean. You got to get a cassette player. Yeah, you got to do more research than that, uh, uh, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I, I, gosh, I haven't been in Urban Outfitters. Um, I don't know if ever. So uh, maybe that's one thing we should do is go check out these stores. Yeah. Can't bring to... our fiancés with us, though. No, no. They'll, <laughs> they'll,
1: they'll find something to buy. But, um, but, yeah, although it won't fit me, I'll say, well, that stuff is terrible. I got to realize. Not for the, for the more mature gentlemen. No. <laughs> All right. So phone number is 866-577-2473. five seven seven two four seven three. Let's head up to uh, Lake Forest and speak with Steve. Steve, you're on the Smart vessel, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning,
0: guys. I'd like for you to take a look at
1: VSH, Vichet. Okay. Do What you think? And do you hold that or looking to buy it? No, we bought it this week. This week, okay. Another one. Yep. A lot of people do this. They buy it, then they call us. We try to tell people, "Well, call us, then <laughs> see if it's good." What made you yep. want to buy it uh, here, Steve?
0: I don't know. I like the the possibility of uh, um, their stock price going up. They've got a whole bunch of new orders uh, from automakers. Okay, they're trying to meet them, and it just seems like their business is uh, increasing.
1: I, I know, over my career here, I I, I bought Bache a couple of times, sold it. Uh, I, I think. Pretty good profits, I believe. But sometimes that stock just does not move. So let's take a look at uh, Inter Technologies Incorporated, symbol VSH. Great start here, Steve. PE ratio is only 13.2, well below the industry at 35. Price to sales looks good, 1 versus 6.7. Price to book value, wow, 2.2 versus 22. And even price of cash looks great, 7.7 versus 21. Now, you, you do get a... I'll say a decent dividends above the 10-year Treasury note is 1.8%. Company only uses 23% of the earnings to pay that out. We do see sales are up 18.9% year-over-year, above the industry at 18.4%. Earnings per share for, uh, yeah, for Vache did climb by 171%, well above the industry at 169 Taking a look at the balance sheet, uh, 3 is their current ratio above the industry at 2.4%. Debt to equity, only 27 versus 61. That's a positive. Uh, We do see return to equity, 15 versus 21. Net profit margin is is good at 8.2, but for some reason, the industry is much higher at 18.6. We do see receivable turnover is 8.5 versus 9, and inventory turnover checks in at 4.5. Versus four 4.9. Chase, what do you got for the units going forward?
2: Yeah, so current price here for Vichy is $21.41. 52-week high. Well, that's $26.50. And the 52-week low, $14.84. If I go out to December 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $2.28. Would you say target sell price at $37.85? So, uh, numbers look good in terms of the valuations, the target sell price, the balance sheet is good with this company. I will point out there are just four analysts. Um, I'm I'm going to say okay with that. I, I like to see more analysts yeah. than less analysts, obviously, but four, eh, it's teetering on that uncomfortable level. Yeah.
1: And, and I'll tell you here, Steve, I mean, holding this company for for years like we did and then selling it and buying it back and so forth, It it's been like a kind of like a basic company uh they never seem to really hit the cover off the ball but they seem to do pretty well over time and there's times that i remember being frustrated with this company like gosh i do all the right things and hey that's for many companies and they do all the right things and the stock didn't move but uh at these prices and 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 the company now the management team too i know that the uh management team could have changed over the years as well but i I like the company I, i i Again, held it twice.
2: Uh, we we'll probably won't buy well, yeah. it now. And right? I remember looking at the management team, the CEO, I remember because he's a, no, Dr. Gerald Paul. And I remember Gerald he was Paul. a doctor. So doctor, I, that's yeah. why I, I remember it's still the same CEO, but he was born in 1949. So he's mm, yeah. getting a little older there. Yeah, well, what is it 72?
1: What? I was mm-hmm. born in 48. 48 <laughs> but are, are, you, are you running a uh,
2: $100 million market cap company? I don't know. <laughs> no, unfortunately, <laughs> no. <laughs> it does I, I'm so just saying most of the time at 71, 72, ah, people are slowing down or yep. uh, in retirement, uh, not... This company is actually now a, a $3 billion market cap company. $3 billion market cap, yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and Not I'm, to say
1: it can't be done. Right. But. <laughs> and I do remember, too, there was some tie to, like, Israel and the United States. Really? Yes, yes. And I remember seeing that. Uh, they were in Pennsylvania, but then something with Israel. So uh, check that. Um, okay. Yeah, just, just to understand the business more. But I, I, I like the numbers on it. Numbers look good. But, yeah. So. All right? Okay. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I as see always. Thanks for calling. Have okay. a good one. Bye, bye. Right. Bye. Yeah, that was a.
2: I uh, want to say, yeah, I, I apologize there, sure. Steve. After he got off the phone, I realized I wasn't making a knock at old age. You know, seventy is <laughs> the new fifty. You're you're good there. It just gets a little bit harder to run companies um, at that yeah. age.
1: You, you know, and actually, Brianna, our it um, uh, works in our office. She does our our Orion, our our operations, Operations, I guess we'll call it. She was at a conference this past week, and uh, Jeremy Siegel, who i followed for many, many years, she said he was there, and I think he's in his late 70s, and he goes, gosh, the guy had so much energy. So there are some people that can go on when they're in their 70s and even the 80s.
2: I will. And, and again, this might be – it's not, again, 100% accurate for everybody. There are people that that can still do it, but uh, I will say Jeremy Siegel is more doing the research, doing things like that. I think when you're running a company, it gets exhausting because you're dealing with managing people's emotions all the time. Jeremy yeah. Siegel, he's he's dealing with reading about economics, reading about stocks, sure. and then doing presentations which you control all of those factors rather than right. dealing with people. <laughs> and dealing people yeah, sometimes can be quite
1: exhausting. And I do remember, and, and and I thought there was somebody else, maybe it was Dr. Paul from Voshe, where he stepped down as a CEO and became the chief investment officer. So to step away from that and have somebody else run the business, which will happen someday, at will see as management. I'll stop down and step down as a president and probably do the investment part and let you run the business because there are it, it is kind of hard. And we only have, what, seven people in the office, but um, it's still kind of hard at different times to run everything. And, you know, yeah, you want to kind of slow down. But, yeah, doing the investment like Jeremy Siegel does, yeah. You, you or Buffett, to or Munger. Buffett, yeah. We'll see someday. (laughs) (laughs) All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go up to Santa Barbara and speak with Joe. Joe, you're in the Smart vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you?
4: Uh, Let's see. We got uh, AFIN, uh, owned it off and on since 2013, owned it before it went public,
5: and recently bought it uh, during COVID when it went really low. What do you guys
1: think of it? All right. So you bought it a good price, uh, what, about probably a year ago? Is that correct, Joe?
5: A little
0: over.
1: Okay. Well, let's take a look at American Finance Trust Incorporated, symbol as AFIN. Unfortunately, uh, no P.E. ratio versus 44 for the industry. So that tells me over the last 12 months they have no earnings. Uh, That's kind of a surprise to me. Uh, We do see that price to sales, 3.2 versus 1.6. That is expensive. However, price to book value, you're getting a a good sale here. It's only 0.6 versus 0.9. And then we do see price of cash flow, 10.3 versus 6.2. So that's expensive. Now, one thing you probably like here, Joe, is a 9.98% dividend yield. You bought it a year ago. Your yield's probably even higher than that because that's based on current price, not the price you paid for it. So good move on that dividend yield. We do see sales are up 6% year over year, the industry down 9.3%. Earnings per share year over year for the last 12 months, well, they're up 16.7 when the industry was uh, up 259. Look in the balance sheet. It is a financial company. I don't see a current ratio because of financial company. Debt equity only 103 versus 276. Return on equity a negative 1.9 versus a positive 1.8. Net profit margin is a negative 4.2 versus a positive 3.7 and receivable of 5.1 versus 4.7. Seems to be this company's having some trouble making money. What are you seeing going forward, Chase?
2: Um, uh, before I get into that, i I was reading something on the I was reading something on online there. I missed the balance sheet. What would the balance sheet look like?
1: Uh, the balance sheet we had a, a debt equity of 103 versus okay. 276 for the industry.
2: So that's not bad. And and what this company is, it's a reit. So that's oh, kind of okay, where yeah, the accounting mean, okay. can kind of play into to different factors, make the earnings look not quite as strong as the cash flows. But uh, looking here at the current price for American Finance Trust, the current price is $8.52. The 52-week high is $10.69. The 52-week low, that's $5.40. Now, with REITs, what we want to look at is the funds from operations. And we look at that because, as I mentioned, a lot of real estate, you have a lot of depreciation costs, which is not necessarily... Weighing on the business as much, and your cash flows can still be quite strong. So we like to look at FFO. Right. The FFO estimated for December two thousand twenty two is a dollar and six cents. Would give us a target sell price of seventeen dollars and sixty cents. Now I will point out there's just two analysts on this. Oh. So I'm not super confident in that. But generally with real estate, the the fund flows are a little bit more predictable. I'm going to say than earnings. I, I think it's very intriguing here, Joe. I don't want to say yes or no. It is about a billion-dollar market cap, so a little bit small for what we like to look at. But I, I, I'm, I'm interested. They are in the uh, service-oriented and traditional retail and distribution-related commercial real estate properties. So I would want to know a little bit more about where exactly they're located. But uh, as I said, I, I'm definitely intrigued by this particular company.
5: Thank you. Of course.
2: Yeah, and, and one thing I'm kind of looking at, too, is uh,
1: American Finance Trust. I mean, I would want to know what they do. Do they actually own the properties or are they financing? That's, that's one thing, because I don't like to buy financing mortgages. I, they they own time. it. They own it?
2: Yeah. Acqu- it they're acquiring and managing, yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Well, well, that, that does help then. So uh, what were the properties again?
2: Uh, <laughs> they're service-oriented and traditional retail and distribution Related. To okay, so, so that, that's so yeah. I would want to know. You know, is this like a, a strip mall type deal? Where are their property? I mean, right. I I was I was driving yesterday. Uh, we we're playing. You know, I I don't know if you're familiar with San Diego, but we we're playing Ramona uh, for for football yesterday, and driving through Ramona, and there's this huge looks like old grocery store, right. but then there's a newer grocery store across the street. And I'm like, well, who's going to want that space? What right. type of properties do they own? Because that's a very hard tenant to kind of replace, and that's a lot of potential lost cash flow. So uh, that's kind of the whole point here, Joe, is I just would really want to understand more about their tenants and the properties that they do own. Yep. All right, Joe. Thank you. All right. Thank
1: you for calling. Have a good one. Okay, too. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. Chase gonna switch gears here real quick. I think a lot of people know that you're the linebacker coach for Poway High football team. Uh I, I didn't even know who you played. You played Ramona yesterday. Did you guys
2: win? We did win, yeah. We uh, we got the clean sweep cross freshman J V and varsity. Uh varsity One twenty-eight to seven. We didn't have a scoreboard. What the scoreboard was having technical difficulties, so I I think that was the score. have a guy out there holding it. It was so hard because you didn't know what time was left in the game. We got the ball and we were going down, and our coach was like, "What? How much time is left?" And the ref had to be, or we had to ask our ref, and then the ref had to ask the ref across the way how much time was left. Wow! I think it was an unfair advantage that they had the ref with the time on their sideline, yeah, and we didn't, but we still won (laughs) twenty-eight to seven. So.
1: Congratulations and I, and you have a regular season this year, right? You got the regular it, season
2: games? fans in the stands. Fans in the stands. 10 games and playoffs. Yeah. Good. Well, well
1: good luck on that. I did want to I didn't get to ask you this morning, so I thought well, look, a lot of people know you're the linebacker coach for probably High. So, all righty, fun uh, phone numbers here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I, th- I thought we would go back to Facebook. Uh, do you know who was next on Facebook? I believe
2: Robert commented there first. Okay. So do you have his comments from Robert there? I do have Robert's comments. Let's see. So says, no hurry, but if you have time, can you look at MPW, please? I've held since Q2 2019. They pay a good dividend and are safe from what I see, but I'm wondering if my money would be better invested elsewhere. All right. Well, let's take a look at MPW, which is Medical Properties Trust Incorporated. Uh,
1: their symbol is MPW. We do see a, a P.E. ratio of 23.4. That's, well, gosh, half the industry at 44.6. Price to sales very expensive, 9.2 versus 1.6. Price to book value, 1.6. That's above the industry of 0.89. Uh, and price to cash flow, 15.8, also above the industry of 6.2. Now, I do see you get a nice dividend here of 5.2%. They paid 120% of the earnings. But again, this is a REIT as well. So you got to look at more of the funds from operations. We do see some good growth here on the sales up 31.9%. Industry fell by 9.3%. Earnings per share for medical properties was up 12.8% versus 259%. Uh, we do see no current ratio versus 0.5%. Debt equity, 122 versus 276 And again, this is a REIT. So, but you still want to look at the debt. You don't want to buy high debt REITs. And this is one that's not the average. Again, it's 276 there at 122. Return on equity is 6.8 versus 1.8. That's above the industry. So, that's a positive. Net profit margin, 36.9 versus 3.6. And we see what's over at 2.9. To 4.7. Jace, what do you got for the numbers going forward? Yeah,
2: so current price here for medical properties trusts $21.65. 52 two week high, well, that's $22.82. And the 52 week low, well, that's $16.10. If I go out to December 2022, as you said, it is a REIT, so we want to look at the FFO. I see a dollar, and let's see, I'm having a hard time reading across the screen for some reason. A dollar and 86 cents would be the uh estimated funds from operation. That would give us a target sell price of thirty dollars and eighty eight cents. So I mean very nice target appreciation from the current price of twenty one sixty five. And I think Robert, this is one that I don't think you're, again, going to be the hit of the party. Yeah. I don't think it's going to go from 21 to 42 in the next five years. I, I think this is one that you get that nice dividend yield, you know, and wouldn't be surprised if five years from now, yeah, you did average 10% because you take that, I think, it was 5% yield on the— Yeah, 5.2. Yeah, yeah 5.2. Yeah. And, again, for it to go up just 10%, that's not a whole lot. You're just asking for about a $2 gain in the stock price. Well, no, if you had a $2 gain in the stock price. I'm talking about 10% on, on top of the, top okay, of yeah, the 5%. Because yeah. I would say your overall
1: total return would be 15%, which is pretty attractive. Um, but it's not going to move a, a, a lot. And this is one that you buy. You buy at a good price, which now it appears to be at a good price. And you, and you watch it. Because I think over the next five years, you could see a good return on this. And again, it's hospitals. It's uh, surgical centers. It's a, it's a medical field. That's not going where we know our population is getting older. Um, so as long as they do a good job managing the property, I think five years from now, you'll, you'll be pretty happy with returns on a company like this. But it, it, again, it's not going to be up 100% one year. So
2: I mean, let's break it down that way even. If it goes from about – I'm just going to make it easy here on my map. Sure. If it goes from $21 a share. Okay. Well, all you really need for that five percent gain is about a dollar in terms of estimated yep. appreciation there. Just to about get to slightly above that. And then you add in the dividend. Wow, now that's a ten percent gain. Doesn't it, it just right. that's where people get too greedy, I think. This is one that I think is gonna be a very, very strong company. As I said, it's not sexy, you're not gonna blow anybody away, but yeah, 10, five, 10 years from now, I wouldn't be surprised if you sit back and be like, wow. I averaged 10% on this company. Yeah, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, and, and again, it will fluctuate. I, I know you gave out the, the, the prices there. It's going to fluctuate
1: and so forth. But I think it's a good, as long as the management does a good job, and I believe, I remember, I think this company was based in Alabama or Arkansas or someplace in the south, which I was surprised one, one time looking at it. But um, it, it's just a good investment, but it's not going to be exciting and go from 21 to 31 anytime soon. But if it takes, uh, again, what? Five years, uh, you you got a nice return. No, yep. so all right. Phone numbers. Gosh, all phone lines are open. You, you know, we had all, all lines were booked up. <clears throat> we we were getting slow getting to people because we try to take the time to talk to people, and now everybody's like, Oh, I'm not going to call. The Lines are, are booked up. No, all lines are open. Eight six six, five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six, five seven seven two four. Seven, three. Uh, let's go back to Facebook. I think we had another one on Facebook. What do we got there?
2: Yeah, we got we got Vincent. Uh, he said, hey, guys, I'm looking at buying Cigna. T- ticker symbol here is CI. In the last earnings report, they said their medical care ratio rose to 85.4% from 70.5% a year ago. The stock fell 10% on the news. However, some analysts feel this is temporary and the stock is oversold. Is Cigna worth further research. And uh, I guess before we look at it, I did want to bring that up is I, I did look into this a little bit more because I saw the stock fall. And I, I was seeing the same thing as a lot of these analysts brought up. They were saying their, their payouts were higher due to COVID. Right. And while we mentioned earlier in the show, COVID will be around. It's not going to be around in the same fashion that we've seen over the last year and a half where, gosh, you have more hospitalizations. We should see a drastic slowdown on that. And this is the type of company you like to look at buying because this should be a temporary problem. But you do want to look into it to make sure yeah. they're not kind of saying, ah, using the the COVID excuse, I'll say, when in reality there's some real underlying problems with the business.
1: And, and you know, and, I, and I'm using my mind here to kind of think a little bit more about this. One, one thing, too, we talk about the population getting older. hmm is that going to hurt these insurance companies because their payouts are going to have to rise? Did they collect enough? And if the younger generation is smaller, that's not paying into it, could that be a problem for these insurance companies? Kind of, kind of what happened to what was it long-term care? Uh, I don't know if we'll see the medical side or not. I'm just, I'm not saying yes or no, and I'm just pointing out things we think about with my yeah. company. But l- let's take a look at the numbers on Cigna Corporation, symbol is CI. We do see a good PE ratio, nine point five versus twenty-six point six. Price of sales, 0.4 versus one. No price of changeable book value. That's the same as the industry. And price of cash flow is very good, though, 6.7 versus 14.4. Now, we do say they pay a 1.8% dividend only using 8.5%. Their earnings to pay that out, so that's a pretty strong dividend for that much of a payout ratio. We do say sales year-over-year were up 8%, about the same as the industry at 8.55. earnings per share for Cigna were up 62%. Uh, just under the industry growth at 72%. Uh, on the balance sheet, a no current ratio, it's an insurance company. However, debt to equity looking pretty good 68. Uh, I say that because the industry is at 117. Return on equity is uh, 16.9 versus 12.9. Net profit margin for Cigna is the winner here at 4.9 versus 4.1 and
2: no receivable or inventory turnover. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Cigna, $216.92. And uh, as Vincent said, it it did pull back from that 52-week high of $272.81. 52-week low, though, has recovered from that, likely from the pandemic lows, of $158.84. But I, I like the decline in stock price that we've seen from the highs. Looking out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $22.53, I mean, it gives us a very, very attractive target sell price of $374 a share. And one thing I'll point out that I, I like to see is I mean, this insurance company, it's growing right. on the bottom line. Uh, you know, 2019, they made $17.05, 2020, $18.45, 2021, estimated to make $2032. And then 2022, as I said, $22.53. So it looks like they're seeing about, I'm gonna say about 10% earnings growth. Which is, you know, quite positive, and it right. looks like sales are also estimated to continue to grow. So right. I think this could be a, not a exorbitantly high growth company, but you're getting a value company that still has substantial growth going forward.
1: And and not a bad dividend. I'm going to call it a 1.8, close to two percent. And that, do they strictly do? I don't know if you have it there or not. Do they strictly do like medical insurance, or they have other uh, ones as well that
2: they do? I believe it is just medical insurance. Okay. Like, I want to say, um, and I'm not 100% sure on this, so don't quote me, but uh, I believe they have something to do with Medicare there as well. Okay. Uh, so they do the health care plans. Do they do the Medicare Supplement uh, here we go. Advantage? Okay, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just pulled it up. So the company's U.S. medical segment offers commercial products and services uh, including medical, pharmacy, behavioral health, dental, vision, health, advocacy programs, and other products and services, uh, Medicare Advantage supplement, and Medicare Part D plans for seniors as well as Medicaid plans as well. So, you know, I, I, I would want to understand how much they do in Medicare versus the other types of insurance, um, but I, I, I want to say they're a little bit more heavily tilted towards Medicare for some reason.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that, that could be, and, and again, I like what they do, so definitely worth uh, the research uh, to go into it because it's just another insurance company that, I, I, I will, I'll lack a better term, say it's safe. You're not going to double your money anytime soon, but I think it perhaps decent returns going forward. Alrighty, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go back up to Santa Barbara and speak with Penny. Penny, you're in the Smart Behavioral Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, I have a question about VR, ver, V E R. I was wondering how you say that cuz I see there's a T at the end and you called it ver.
5: Oh, that might be the old we've owned it for quite a while so okay. it's probably gone through the
1: name change okay, and the symbol is VER. Make sure I get the right company for you. You said you have owned it Correct. for a while, yes. And, and are you up, you're down? What do you stand okay.
5: I think we're up a little. Okay,
1: let's say it's uh, Ver Incorporated. Uh, symbol is VER. We do see a P-E ratio of 50.4 versus 44.6, so it's a pretty high PE ratio to start with. Also, two price of sales pretty expensive 10 versus 1.6. Price of book value, 2.2 versus 0.9. And price of cash flow, 17 versus 6. So all the valuation ratios are higher than the industry average. Could be the company is overpriced. We'll do a little more checking here. You get a nice dividend yield of 3.7%. However, they're using 169% of the earnings to pay that out. So that's a question there. Looking at sales year over year, not doing so well, down 1.8%. Industry down 93 However, earnings per share for Verg were up but the whole industry is up 259. So something going on with the sales declining, but yeah, earnings doing well. Uh, We do see no current ratio versus 0.5 for the industry. Debt to equity 83 versus 276. So they don't have a bad balance sheet, which is helpful during difficult times with a a company like this, return on equity is only 3.4 versus 1.8 net profit margin checks in at 22.2, a very good, especially when I see the industry at 3.7, and then receivable turnover is 3.5 versus 4.7. Chase and I, I know you do the numbers. Sometimes you get a chance to look at what this company does. I, I'm almost wondering, is this some type of it's you know, another REIT? REIT. I was <laughs> going <laughs> to say REIT. Had a I, lot of REITs yeah, today. REITs,
2: yeah. Um, but yeah, so this company is actually owns and manages one of the <clears throat> largest portfolios. Of single tenant commercial properties in the US. Um, I, I'm debating in my head right now if I like the single tenant idea or if I don't. I mean, the nice thing about being the single tenant is you should have a lot of properties so you're not really reliant on like big major tenants. So I'm thinking this should be like a diversified portfolio of different properties that no single tenant should occupy that it, much it, of their sales. Did you say it was commercial or? Commercial, commercial single commercial. tenant. Okay. Yeah. So I so I don't know if it's single tenant like these huge buildings yeah. or if, you know, you drive by and there's these kind of like small little shops, eh, not shops, but small little buildings, buildings. That, that they kind of work with those tenants because that, that'd that be, unique. I, I think, unique yeah, but unique. also diversified because you have, you know, uh, should have a lot more smaller businesses rather than, you know, your big major players that take the giant building So I right. would want to understand more about exactly what they do there. I also see... Uh their business model provides equity capital to credit worthy corporations in return for long-term leases on their properties. So a little bit more on the financing side as well. We do understand exactly where those cash flows are coming from. With that said, let's take a look here at the numbers uh for VER. Current price $50.63. Right now, it's 52-week highs, $50.98. The low, though, $30.05, likely took a big hit during COVID. If I go out to December 2022, however, I see funds from operations are the FFO of $3.37, and that would give us a target sell price of $55.94. So I know you said you hold it, Penny. Uh, it would technically be in our hold category based off valuations. I, I wouldn't be buying it at these levels, especially at a 52-week high, but... um. It's intriguing. I—that's I, I, the way I would put it. Yeah. And, and,
1: and Peggy, you said you've or Penny. You said you've held it for a while. Chase brought up about what type of tenants they have. You've held it for a while. Do you know what type of tenants they do have?
5: I believe it's um, like smaller um, auto stores and maybe Dollar General type. Mm.
1: Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That that could be good. Good.
5: Um, yeah, I was thinking about whether or not we should sell. That's what
1: my yeah, as Chase oh. said, right now, I mean, as long as everything else checks out okay, which I I believe it it does so far, what they do, numbers are a hold. Uh, how far away was it from the target sell price, Chase? About ten percent. Ten percent. So you gotta kind of watch it closely because it could hit that that growth, but also too, Penny. The other thing that we do is every Monday, we go over all the numbers of all our companies, so you can't say, well, I'll I'll, I'll sell it because Brent Chase said when well, it goes up ten percent. Well, perhaps mm-hmm. that could happen in six months, and six months from now, those earnings or the, the funds from operations could increase as well, so maybe the target price was then up $12. So you got to mm-hmm. watch it closely, but right now, it's a hold with about a 10%, $10 gain on it already. Right. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. I think I said $10 gain. I meant 10%. 10%, 10% yeah. gain, yeah. yeah. I realized when I got that word out, like, that's not what I meant. So. Uh, uh, that'd be... Yeah, a little bit. That'd be about double. double. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, So just misspoke there a little bit. But so, um hey, speaking of misspeaking, let's not misspeak at the next workshop coming up on September twenty third, six o'clock in Scripps Ranch. It is a free workshop. We'll be discussing all the things you hear on the on the show, how we look at the numbers, how we come up with target sell prices. Also too, what you should not be doing investment wise. We'll explain not just what you should not be doing, but why. We also talk about trading, why trading doesn't work very well. So there's many different things we cover in the workshop. It is free. been doing then for many, many years. If you've never been, it's time you come to really learn about how we manage money and how I've done this now for, well, over 40 years. But what you got to do is sign up for the workshop. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. can call the office at 858-546-4306. That's 858 858- 546 4306. Ask for Brianna. She'll get you signed up. I look forward to seeing you on September 23rd, Thursday, 6 o'clock at the Smart Investing Workshop. Phone number's here, and I see all lines are open 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. And as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about.
2: Yeah. And uh, I did want to talk about uh, kind of one more time is, you know, Zoom has been uh, quite a Zoom, prevalent yeah. uh, company, uh, especially over the last couple of years here, or not even last couple of years, <laughs> last year and a half. Um, and, you know, we did take a closer look at Zoom, really kind of broke down some thought processes that, that went through our heads on this business model, looked at the numbers behind it, as always, the fundamentals, valuations for the company, the balance sheet. Uh, you know, that was on our YouTube channel. You go to YouTube. Type in Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. You can see our our thoughts on Zoom. See kind of where things stand in terms of buy, hold, sell. Maybe you've done well on Zoom, or maybe the stock price has declined. Maybe you bought too high. Maybe it's time to buy more or get out. Uh, Go to our YouTube page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. I guess it's actually called a YouTube channel, not a YouTube page, and you can subscribe there as well.
1: Yep. Uh, and also, too, Chase, we talked about Zoom being high. And I think the high, if I remember from doing it yesterday, I think it was 588. Now yeah. it's around two-something. Uh, one thing I kind of looked at, too, was we we bring up these different companies over the years that were very high and now aren't very, uh, not doing, they're not doing poorly, but they're way off their highs. Another one I discovered this past week was Juniper Networks uh, was a really hot company. Uh, their high back on September 1 of 2000 was $218.94. Um, After that, it went down. Uh, The price on Friday was about $28.98, still being traded, still a a decent company. Uh, They did hit a high of $42 uh, back in uh, March of 2011. That was just a peak there. But they were offered, uh, it looks like their initial offering was at $27 a share. So this is what we kind of bring out to people. Be very careful what you pay for these companies, no matter how great they are. uh, Eventually, the true values come in. So, again, we've listed Siri. We, we, we've we listed... Uh, oh, Sirius? Sirius. Satellite? Yeah, okay. Sirius, yeah, Sirius that's their ticker, radio. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sirius. Uh, we've listed other ones as well. Here's I, another I mean, one, Juniper.
2: I mean, that's another great one. But even big ones that people forget about, like Intel and Cisco, they're still not where they were at during yeah. the... Qualcomm. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's a list of companies that, you know, still have not recovered from the tech bust, and those people that have just been praying and hoping it'll get back to there. I mean, it's 21 years now of no gains.
1: And what I kind of wonder...
2: Well, I don't want to uh, say no gains, because if you bought it earlier, but if you bought it at the peak, still, 21 years of no right, gains. Yeah. Well, and again, if, uh, Juniper Networks,
1: if you bought that at the IPO at 27, if you got the IPO yeah. price, uh, at 28, you'd be up, uh, what, 5%. Yeah. So, yeah, so <laughs> uh, about 5%. So And, and, and I kind of question now, too, would the cloud networking everything's in the cloud is that like the dot-com was back then because everything oh dot-com dot-com you know um could the cloud be the same situation where people are overpaying for these cloud companies to where they make no money for the next 10-15 years
2: that's a great point because the cloud could be the future yeah Yeah. you know i mean it, it appears that that's the way things are going just as dot-com was a huge change to our society, a huge change to the technological landscape. The cloud has been a, a huge change to things as mm-hmm. well. But again, it comes down to paying for those businesses yeah. or what you're paying for those businesses because Cisco and Intel and Qualcomm revolutionized technology. There's no doubt about that. Right. But you overpaid for the company back then, and you could be doing the same thing in today's companies that are in the cloud if they're too pricey. Right. And,
1: and, you know, unfortunately, uh, some people, some investors say, oh, yeah, but you don't get it. This is the, the growth of the future and this way. Things going to be. Yeah. Well, we understand that the cloud's not going to be gone tomorrow. But I just brought up the same thing they said back then back and like, oh, what well, Juniper Networks? Oh, it's 219. You don't get it because, you know, the dot com, the net, the Internet, that's going to be around for a long time. It's not going anywhere. But you got to be careful what you always pay for a company. All right. Phone number is 866 577 Two four seven three. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go up to Escondido and speak with Jeff. Jeff, you're on the Smart Vessel Brent Chase. How can we help you?
4: Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. Um, it's funny you were just talking about Intel. I was kind of uh, heard some stuff lately through them, and I was just looking to see what you guys might be singing with them. I know their ticket number is INTC. Uh, I know they're looking to expand in the Phoenix area and maybe into Texas, So, I was just seeing what you guys were thinking about them.
1: Okay. So uh, it sounds like you don't hold it now. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, I don't hold it now. I was just looking into it.
1: Okay. Well, let's take a look at Intel Corporation, symbols, as INTC. We do see a great start in the P-E ratio, 11.9 versus 35. Price to sales, 2.8 versus 6.7. Price to book value, also a good number at 4.3 versus 22 then price of cash flow seven versus 21. So all the valuation ratios for Intel look very attractive. You do get a decent dividend of 2.6%. They use 30% of their earnings to pay that out. Unfortunately, year over year, the sales for Intel are down 1.7% industry up 18.4. And earnings per share for Intel did decline by 17% when the industry is up 16.9. Now they do have a nice balance sheet got a current ratio of two versus 2.4 for the industry. Debt to equity for Intel, only 41 versus 61 for the industry. So they could do a lot of borrowing to expand their company there. We do see return on equity is 22. That's above the industry at 21. Net profit margin is 23.9 versus 18.6. And then we turnover is 10.4 versus 9. Inventory turnover 3.9 versus 4.9. Chase, what do you got for the numbers going forward?
2: There's so a current price here for Intel, $53.51. It's fallen from the 52-week high, $68.49, and the 52-week low is $43.61. If I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $4.44. I mean, it gives us a very attractive sell price of $73.70, paired with a nice dividend. Uh, I'm definitely a fan of Intel. I, I, I know that the chips, the semiconductors, I mean, we're having a, a big problem, and it is interesting. You know, the several CEOs of other companies said, Oh, well, it'll be fixed by the end of the year. Intel CEO said, I think it's going to take much longer. Yeah, and it appears that these auto companies you're seeing them continue to cut production. I think the Intel CEO may have been on the right path compared to the other ones. And I will say, Pat Gessinger, or Gelsinger is his name. I think he's the man for the job. I, I yeah. think he's a tech guy, I think he's going to come in. He has his affinity to Intel. us where he started his career and really kind of built a name, I guess is the way I would put it. Uh, I, I think he's going to get things turned around. The interesting thing, too, is he, they're, what they're doing in Arizona and other places is they're they're trying to build up the fabrication of it or the manufacturing of semiconductors. Is what we need. What is funny, the, the investor community kind of liked that, and then when they realized they had to invest money into it, they didn't like it as much. Right. Well, of course, it's going to cost money to build things out. So, um, I, I think it's I think it's an attractive opportunity here, Jeff. I, I think you know it could take some hits over over the next year, year and a half as they continue to kind of roll out these plans. right? I think over the next five ten years, I think Intel will will do quite well. And they do have the balance sheet to expand, as I yeah. said. So, I and I believe they're spending twenty billion
1: dollars in Phoenix, uh, Jeff. You brought up Texas. I've not heard about Texas. Did you hear something about mm-hmm. Texas? Or you're just kind of guessing on that one?
0: Uh, No, I have a a friend that lives in Texas, and he
4: had heard some stuff about them doing some building and stuff like that, and they're kind of near outside of Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just kind of like – it's just one of those uh, uh, information from a friend that had heard uh, rumblings of them having interest in some land and opportunity out there. Yeah. so.
2: I mean, it, it, it's possible, but I've not heard anything And concrete. I know the yeah. $20 billion, I don't know if that's just in Arizona. I know that's kind of their fabrication mm-hmm. budget. So it, it could be in different areas. And uh, to be frank, I don't really care if it's in Arizona or Texas. I, I think just putting the fabrication-type model together will be very beneficial to Intel. And they've also talked about Europe, which, yeah. you know, kind of expanding more there, which I think is important because right now we've talked about this in the past. Taiwan Semiconductor is the big player in this space and i i worry about that because china china, china thinks taiwan is theirs yeah. and that would worry me longer term so I, I think we need a good you know american samsung's another one uh, those are the two major players we need a us company that can produce these semiconductors
1: uh, the other thing too i remember seeing the wall street journal weeks ago uh, something about perhaps trying to buy i believe it was like global foundry was a yeah, company. That, that, that kind of fizzled out was just yeah. a rumor nothing well, uh, i
2: i think it it was kind of quite speculative cuz global foundries came out and said no that's not, happening. That's not I, happening i think intel may have said yeah we're kind of interested in it. But, oh this is going to you know yeah. this is the yeah. the way I- Rumors can spread, but it does show Intel is kind of looking at different opportunities. Right. And, again, there are companies that come out and say, oh, no, that's not true. And then it happens. <laughs> and it happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Jeff,
1: to kind of let you know, I mean, we like the company long-term, and I, and I think it's a great industry to be in, and you're getting a good price on Intel right now with a good yield. So we, we do kind of like it.
2: But I would say, Jeff, don't expect the NVIDIA amd yeah. types of returns that you've seen over the last two, three years. And that's not going to happen to Intel. It's going to be, again— Kind of what we look for is a nice 8, 10, maybe 12% on average per year. And I I see Intel as one of those companies that that can kind of hit those benchmarks. All right.
0: All right. Sounds great. Thanks, guys.
2: Okay, Jeff. Thanks for calling. Have a good one.
1: You too. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go down to South Bay and speak with Greg. Greg, you're in the Smart Investor. Brent and Chase, how can we help you?
5: Hi, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I'll be honest with you. I caught the tail end of your no. I guess it's not a monologue. It'd be a dialogue or <laughs> your introduction, whatever. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you were mentioning some, you know, beware of some accounting tricks and how maybe there's a softening in the real estate market uh, ahead. So maybe not a good day to call in about a company that's in the finance sector, uh, specifically the real estate space, (laughs) Uh, Me, but uh, I'm interested in Analy Capital Management, NLY.
1: Okay. And also, too, if you missed the beginning of the the show, you can always go to our website because it's podcast there. I think we get it up pretty quick on Saturday. Uh, Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. You can catch what you missed earlier in the show. But let's uh, talk about uh, Analy Capital Management Incorporated, symbols NLY. Uh, we do see very low numbers here on the PE ratio at 3.7, same as the industry, at 1.6. Price of sales, however, not so good, 3.1 versus 0.3. Book value, 0.9, whole industry is low at 0.6. And then uh, price of cash flow is 3.8 versus 1.2. Uh, now, I do see a dividend yield here of 10.2%, only using 38% of their earnings to pay that out. Again, some things may be concerned, suspect here, That's something that just looks too good to be true. And then the sales growth, here's another number, too good to be true, up 2,033% versus a of 11.7. Earnings per share, they were up 234 versus 159. Uh, again, I believe this is a, a REIT as well, so uh, nothing on the current ratio. Debt to equity, 473, which is high, but the yeah. whole industry is at 7,783. So even that 473 is high, but I wouldn't say it's great because the whole industry is high. I'll wait to see what Chase sees on what industry this actually competes in. Return to equity looks good, 26.9 versus 43. Net profit margin does check in at, a, wow, 84 versus 19. They could have had some accounting, some Write-off last year. Now that's not there, and then we do we see we see what turnover on is ten point five versus one point five. Chase, I'm very curious going forward. This is a REIT, correct?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a mortgage REIT. Oh, mortgage. REIT. And um, this is interesting because generally with you know real estate investment trusts, they they buy the property, so you're getting the cash flows from rents. And I, I'm guessing probably what happens with the mortgages, is you're getting the cash flows from the mortgages rather than the rents. Um, one thing that, that I'll point out Greg is we've never bought a rate. we've never really looked into one um, so I I'm not yeah, I wondered quite if you even... yeah I'm, I'm not quite sure exactly how I would feel about this company I'd really have to look at the, the structure of how this business works because you look at it what they do is they invest in various types of of agency mortgage-backed securities, non-agency residential mortgage assets and residential mortgage loans. And then they originate and invest in commercial mortgage loan securities and other commercial real estate investments. So um, they they do different things. I like that they're residential and commercial, so it kind of has that hedge against one and the other. It's not just all residential, which we were kind of talking about earlier in the show, scaring us a little bit. I think commercial real estate will, I think, personally i think commercial real estate will be stronger than residential real estate across the country but i don't quite know how i feel about them investing in you know the mortgage backed securities mm-hmm. and and the loans I, it would take a little bit more research to understand what exactly yeah. does that mean and how does that benefit us as shareholders
5: well my understanding is that they're making money both ways they own and then they collect interest on the loans that they uh, <clears throat>
2: create. Yeah, loans. and and the thing that I would want to know is is what type of loans are they buying? Right. Are, are, if they're buying bad mortgages to kind of drive up the interest rates on it to pay out a good dividend? Uh,
5: well, yeah, that was the only thing. If they're if they're themselves, the money they're using to buy it—that's a little
2: a little. But, uh yeah. Not even loaning their money themselves, but if they're going out and buying different—because mort- you can buy, like, a mortgage as a, an investment, and if that's what they're doing and they're buying, I'm going to say, shady mortgages, poor mortgages with, you know, poor credit, that could really take this company down. So I would want to understand what type of mortgages do they have on, on their books there, but— I do want to give the numbers unless you have yeah, a Yeah, no,
1: no, go. Uh, I'll, I'll get the comment afterwards. There's okay. There's so
2: let there. me get the numbers here on analytic capital management. Current price $8.64, 52 week highs $9.64, and the low $6.92. Now I go out to December 2022, and this is kind of what I'm talking about with the REIT, the mortgage REIT. There's no FFO, there's no funds from operations, probably because I don't even think they have depreciation, <laughs> because right. you can't depreciate a, a loan. But um, what I look, I'll just look at the earnings, just to kind of give us some reference point. They RS make one dollar and five cents in 2022, which would give us a target sell price of 17.43. So that's positive, but as I said, I still have my concerns. I know you had a comment there, Brent.
1: Yeah, when it comes to mortgages, and I learned this a long time ago back when I first started the industry back in the early 80s, um, what happens with mortgages is that you're repaying principal and interest. So you're actually going down a little bit. And then what happens with the mortgages, we kind of talk about this, which you don't see this now, but you would in the past, is that... Well, they drop a certain amount. Well, people refinance. So all that gain you had goes out the door because they said, well, we I not going to pay that 6% loan. We're going to do a 4% loan. So you've lost that. Then the, you refinance. Okay, so we'll take the 4% loan. Well, what happens? Now rates go up. That 4% loan is worth less. So it's there's a very short window when these actually do well because if rates fall too quickly, you, you lose money. Rates go up too yeah, quickly. I don't, I don't know money. what
5: they're I was kind of looking at it at the in the... Uh, with the background of interest rates going up as well, and they'll be doing the same thing. They'll be buying, you know, they'll be refinancing or uh, getting lower rates um, on their new purchases. So I didn't know. Um, You know, it's been around for 25 years, and so I thought, well, that's good. I don't like buying something that's just started. I need some history. Um, I'm looking for you know maybe a better price to get in if it makes sense and so looking further I guess how would I how would I discover
1: what
2: they're what they own? Uh, probably 10Q, web- 10, 10 10K. 10 10 yeah. it'll, it'll break down what they own and I, I did pull up a long-term chart here uh, for the company, Greg, and I, I think they really try and just pay out that dividend is is. Their their main objective because the stock price it moves but it doesn't move around a whole lot. I mean, in nineteen ninety seven, it looks like the stock was at about ten dollars, eleven dollars a share. Yeah, uh, well,
5: that that's again that's uh, for longer term. That's kind of something you know. I don't like to see a lot of volatility. Some growth maybe, and well, then the dividend I, yield is good.
2: So. Well, but I I will say it did go as high as twenty dollars a share in two thousand and two, and then it, it pulled back to you know it's now around eight sixty four. So uh, I do worry what if this company has great a 10% dividend but you lose 10% on the stock. Yeah, and it it, look, it doesn't it look like it moves around like a whole lot but I don't like it to see yeah. I don't like to see it was at, you know, $11 yeah. back in 97 and now it's at $8. Right. You yeah, know, I'm not really concerning. looking at
5: dollars either as a as a target. Um your 17 sounds um Exciting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, and I don't know how much I would trust that 17. Yeah, right. it's. Uh,
5: uh, no, I was just looking for a kind of a stable price and a, a good, you know, yield that, does you know, 38%, 39% payout ratio seems pretty sustainable and uh but as far as how it's valued you know i mean if i had added at, uh, you know 10 and it went to 20 and it went back to 8 well i would have got out at 15 so it wouldn't have mattered so much but um you know in that example mm. but i just wonder you know i'm looking for a lower price is all and you know some more information so yeah.
1: Yeah, that that yield bothers me being at ten percent. They're just—I mean, I think that's what they're trying to do is maximize that. I don't know the taxation of it as well because it may not so
2: taxed as a read. Tax so as they, a read. So they, it's they fully kind of pass on the tax taxes, to, that's the, right. yeah, uh, yeah. to the
1: to the shareholder. Yeah, I mean, I'm not very excited about it. I know that ten percent looks pretty good, but you, you know, well, get. They have
5: lowered that too over the years. It's been always been higher. It just keeps. Ratcheting down. I don't know, 38 uh, percent. If they need to lower it anymore, but I was wondering, you know, how how the rest of it looked. So appreciate your take, and uh, I'll look for ten Qs, I guess.
1: Yeah, yep. l- look for that, and we're not really excited about it. I, I,
5: I just yeah, it's not. I, yeah, don't think I have so- a few I'm looking at, and I'm not sure. Like I say, if another one in the, um, real estate, mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. I can, if I can put another one in my in my uh, portfolio or not. So, yeah, you, you uh, yeah, find, I, yeah, you may find
1: yeah you may find other REITs that uh, have less of a yield, but I think maybe a better investment than, than this
5: one. Yeah, well, I have a couple, three others. I can't ask you about all of them on the same call, but uh, I've heard some others call in about them, so I'm, I'm comfortable holding them.
1: Yeah, today's like a REIT day. I think <laughs> this is the fourth one we've done today.
5: <laughs> I, I thought maybe not a good day for that. Maybe we should be talking about, you know, uh, Uh, yeah, we, we, just had, did. We, we did. We did those today on. too.
1: <laughs> well, Greg, if you missed the show, remember to go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Listen to the, uh, to the. Uh,
5: yeah, I'll do that. I'm just hearing that you have that. I don't know how long you've had it, but I'm just hearing that you have it. And uh, yeah, because I, you know, some of them I miss. I wish I could go back and, you know, rewind. But and so maybe I can.
1: Yeah, you you definitely can. Greg, thanks Very for calling. You have a good one.
5: Take care. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Bye bye. Uh, you know, Chase, I think we do need to promote the uh, podcast more. I, I, yeah. I guess we just assume everybody knows about it. And as Greg said, he goes, gee, I, how long have you had it? We've had it for, I think, years? like six years. Six <laughs> years, yeah. And it's just like something that we need to promote a little bit more for yeah. people on the show that, hey, if you miss part of the show or you want to uh, just go back, go back and listen and listen again because you didn't maybe didn't understand something, it's, it's there on our website. Again, Smart investing. Two thousand com, and they can also listen to other places as well. But probably yeah, and, and
2: we have the the links to different places on our website. If you like to listen on Apple, Spotify, whatever it may yeah. be, the the links are all listed on our website there. Yeah. So um, yeah, you know, I was thinking, gosh, that, that's a great point on the mortgages. Just so people understand, is yeah, if they're they're buying mortgages, mortgages are essentially like a fixed income product. Yeah, yeah. and if you own, if you're the bank and you own a mortgage. It's got that 3% interest payment on it. Great for the consumer, but the holder of that debt, you're mm-hmm. right. If interest rates go back up, it's like a bond. Yeah. Well, interest rates go back up. Now it's at 5%. Who in the world wants to buy your asset of right. somebody's 3% mortgage? Not me. And you know what you're left with
1: because sometimes like, well, you know, those people don't to financed using any finance because they have bad credit which means they could also default on that mortgage. So it's something I learned back in the 80s when we were cuz everybody's so excited about Ginnie Mae funds and mortgage funds and and, and then we kind of realized like well you have the best thing for those type of funds is no movement in interest rates cuz then you collect the dividend yeah. you collect that and everything's fine but that doesn't happen the Like a normal. bond. Yeah. yeah, like a bond. But things interest rates are going to move over time, and, and it's going to move against you. And it's just uh, and then too, I remember when when you're paying a mortgage, you're paying principal and interest. Well, you put that principal, so now you get a little principal left. Okay, so now the yield. It it it's just I don't like them because they, they look attractive with the yields, but they just don't seem to be a great investment there. So one thing I did want to talk about, uh, uh, I, I and I just don't agree with China very much, but probably. Well, probably I think this may be the first time ever uh, China realized how addictive video games are and has limited video game time for minors just three hours a week. And that's that's on the weekend. That's all they get. Well, I'm not thrilled with the government is doing this. I believe it's parents responsibility for their kids on video game time. And that, and I remember being younger. I was the one that like, well, you can't watch so much TV. Go out and play, go do something. But now these video games has really become a problem for it's like an addict, like a, like drugs.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely something that's become more and more prevalent in society. And I mean, I, I remember playing video games as a kid, and but you're right. It's I also played football. I also, you know, would go outside and work out and right. go run and play and do things. Yeah, you can't just. Go sit on the couch and play video games. That's not good for your, your brain and your your health.
1: Yeah, and I was gonna say I know you play video games when you were a kid, but the difference with you is that you were playing football video games, and I think it really helped you. And I remember telling other kids, "Go play some football video games," because it helped you understand the, game. the whole game. But now you got these games. I don't even know, you know, combat, Call of Duty. I mean, all the. I mean, unless you're gonna go on the service, maybe I don't know. But most of them are just addictive, mindless games that and I've seen kids like, yeah, they, they blame till three or four in the morning and it's just say like they, they can't get off them. And it, and it really makes their life less productive. And I'm, I'm just, you know, and I think the game makers took a hit uh, when China announced that as well.
2: Yeah. And it, it is, it is something kind of from an investment standpoint that I do look at. And the video game makers, they, they've done very well in terms mm-hmm. of their, their stock prices and their valuations are very, very high. And you know, if, Kind of parents start to say, ah, oh, you know, we're going to pull back and, you know, becomes less profitable. I mean, that's that's something that can definitely ding these stocks. So, I, it's a hard balance because it's like fast food. Yeah. We know it's bad for you, but you still eat it. Right. And a lot of those fast food companies are still, yeah. like McDonald's, still doing pretty darn good. Yeah. Is that the video game makers? We know it's bad for you, but... Is it something that we can't control and that, that people will still continue to play at an elevated rate to, to keep these margins high for these companies? And I hate to put it that way, but that's that's the yeah. truth.
1: Well, and again, against the tobacco companies. going related relate it to that? Yeah. Tobacco companies, we know smoking is bad for you and so forth. And we looked at tobacco companies. Gosh, the last 10 years, they've done very well, even though who's smoking? Well, there's people smoking there. So uh, I just look at it from the investment side. I, I wouldn't want to invest into them unless it was a real good, I guess, investment. But I just do kind of worry that is it destroying some kids again, where they're just on video games all the time and then they're tired at work. If they go to work, I <laughs> guess school. They, yeah. School, yeah. Yeah. So it's just something that and again it has to come down to the parents to control the time frame um, of, of how much video games you actually have to or can do, I guess, is the same.
3: They do say that the average video game player plays about eight and a half hours of video games per day, which is insane to me. <laughs> per yeah. day?
1: Per day? I thought you were going to say per week, but you're uh, saying per day? Oh,
3: no, no, no. Sorry, you're right. Per week. Okay. Per week. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I know no there's, some, there's some people that play video games for a living, but my didn't. Right, yeah, right. but no, it is just a week. It says eight and a half hours. Yeah. Yes. And uh, wow. this year, China saw that uh, they played an average of 12 and a half hours per week.
1: Per week. And they wow. cut down to three. Yeah. So, But, uh, but even that that uh, the average eight and a half I, I don't think that's too bad on average but that means there's others that are playing a lot more and those are the ones i think i'm more concerned about yeah so yeah,
2: I know some kids don't play video games so then there has to be that balance of other kids are playing
1: i was thinking more. uh your brother nash i don't think he does he know he plays video he games yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know of any kids that don't play video games unless they don't have a computer
2: yeah i don't know uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh does it does it take girls into consideration that's an Ooh, interesting study. Good question. I know. There are girls that play video games. It must be. Buddy. Yeah. Can't be yeah.
1: sexist there. All right. there's the closing bell. Thank you for, for uh, listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858 858- 546-4306 or visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com remember the show is podcast there and for more daily educational information on investment tips go to our Facebook page Smart Investing with Brent Chase-Wilsey the show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters Refinitiv closing song Frank Sinatra's My Way is performed by local entertainer Rome Pelasis. thanks for listening to the Smart Investing Show we'll be back next week right here on the Smart Investing show
0: This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.